Today's episode of the Slash Filmcast is brought to you by HelloFresh. Please visit HelloFresh.com and use the promo code FILMCAST35 to save $35 off your first week of deliveries when you subscribe. That's HelloFresh.com and use promo code FILMCAST35. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Slash Filmcast, the official podcast of SlashFilm.com. I'm David Chen, and with me are... Savintra Hardwire. And Jeff Kanata. And welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. Let me tell you a little bit about what we'll be doing here today on the podcast. We're going to be talking about some what we've been watching. we got a Slash Film Court segment where we adjudicate your movie-related dilemmas. And then we're going to move into an in-depth review of Logan, the new James Mangold film starring Hugh Jackman. Uh, so a lot to discuss today, so much to pack into this week's episode. We also probably have an After Dark coming up for you. Uh, Jeff Kanata and Devinder Hardwar have been playing some Nintendo Switch, so eager to hear their reflections on that. Uh, but yeah, let's get into the show. Find more episodes of our podcast at SlashFilmCast.com. You can also email us at SlashFilmCast at gmail.com. Before we get to what we've been watching, I wanted to mention a couple things, uh, a couple follow-ups from last week. Uh, Jeff Kanata, on last week's episode, you mentioned that Netflix Originals, hard to find on Netflix the service. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I uh, what I was asking for were uh, uh, dozens of, of screenshots uh, <laughs> tweeted to me of how easy it is to find. I, is it not the case, guys, uh-huh. that different devices have yes. different Netflix menus? So we I'm, actually said this during the episode because I preempted right. – because we, I think I've seen the recent, you know, release stuff. But yeah, depending on your device, you may not have. I am using the native Netflix app on my Vizio television uh, because I want to be tracked uh-huh. in everything I watch. Uh, no, because um, I uh, because that allows me to watch 4K programming on my on my television. Um, so that I think is a very atypical. Netflix interface, at least according to all of the screenshots I've seen, because I ain't seeing that stuff on my on my Netflix menu. Right, right. Well, so someone uh, commented that you know a lot of people commented that they were seeing the movie I don't feel at home at, uh, in this world anymore, which is what we recommended on last week's podcast. It was hard for us to find, but according to them, it was splashed all over the home screen. So uh, yeah, everyone's Netflix experience is truly unique. Also, Jean Morel on the SlashFilm.com comment board says, if you go to Netflix uh, and type Netflix in the search box, you can see all the Netflix originals. So that's a neat little trick, Jeff. I think that uh, is actually the most useful bit uh, of yeah. news because um, you know, even after people said, oh yeah, there's a tab, I, I still can't really find it on the way I interface with Netflix. And I think it's actually a, a, a detriment to the entire system that there isn't some unified version of what we're all looking at. I don't think it's good that we all get a different experience using whatever Netflix we're using. Well, uh, it's the way of the world, Jeff. Algorithms shaping unique experiences on Facebook, Netflix, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but yeah, bah, I, I say bah. I agree with you. You know, like I, I long for the days when we could all just go to Netflix.com and see the same thing. But uh, the corporate overlords above have deemed otherwise. Uh, speaking of benevolent uh, corporate entities, Amazon 
you know, this is something that you mentioned last week, Jeff Kanata. You were saying how didn't Netflix offer like a ton of money to any Sundance movie? Did you say that right? I remember I you saying that. And then I shot you down. I said, that you sounds did. insane. Right. Uh, well, we're both wrong, Jeff, because okay. <laughs> uh, it was not Netflix. It was actually Amazon. They have but this. I am pro- slightly more right than you. I mean, I guess you know, technically speaking, perhaps. Uh, under uh, I'm reading from Variety here. Under Amazon's Film Festival Stars program, all films screening as official f- selections at this year's Sundance are eligible to opt in to a special Prime Video distribution package, which includes a one-time enha- uh, cash bonus and enhanced royalty rates. Amazon will pay $100,000 for U.S. dramatic films and premieres and $75,000 for documentaries and documentary premieres. It's offering $25,000 for world dramatic, world documentaries, next, Spotlight, Kids, Midnight, and New Frontier selections. To participate, filmmakers must grant Amazon worldwide streaming video-on-demand rights to their movies for 24 months with the first 12 months exclusive. So... uh that is what Amazon's offering, which, in, in my opinion, is pretty compelling. Like, yeah. if you are a filmmaker mm-hmm. who made a low-budget indie film and you get into Sundance, and it's a dramatic film, uh, you know, that's a hundred k guaranteed. Yeah, you, yeah, that's pretty amazing, and yeah. I think it's a it's a shrewd move on their part because they get instant content uh, content that has already been vetted by a respected you know group of people, and uh, you know, and and I think it's a a pretty valuable thing if if you're a filmmaker looking at either a not getting anything <laughs> and probably no one ever seeing your thing or at least yeah. having to hustle your rear end off to try to you know keep find some sort of deal or you have this kind of uh you know f- floor that that you you're not going to get any less than this amount i think that's a pretty compelling idea i agree i mean mm-hmm. i think there is a very wide variety of uh movies that premiere at Sundance, you know, some of them cost uh, $5 million or $3 million to make. And those, you know, might be hoping for a better offer than $100,000. But some of them probably cost 50000 or 80000 or even 150000 you know. And those movies are, which, but by the way, might not otherwise get any distribution whatsoever because they're so outside of the mainstream or avant-garde or something like that, you know. There are movies like that that uh, just no company will want to sell, or if they do sell, it's not going to make that much money. And this 100K uh, and two-year exclusive doesn't is not going to look so bad to those people. So uh, I'm very, very curious how this is going to play out. Mm-hmm. I also want to thank uh, one of our listeners who actually pointed out that uh, the head of Amazon Studios, Ted Hope, is a probably a big reason for their success too. Like he just knows how to navigate the studio system right now. So yeah, yeah we Ar- talked that was, about uh, that. Aaron Walker from Tampa, yeah. Tampa Florida wrote into slash filmcast at gmail.com. Uh, Amazon, he, he, he writes here, quote, Amazon's incredible rise in cinematic success follows their surprise hiring of indie cinema producer Ted Hope a few years ago. Hope cut his teeth working with Ong Lee, Nicole Hall of Center, uh, Hal Hartley and others, including, of course, Kenneth Lonergan. He's had a strong career in the very high quality New York City indie production and distribution world. Amazon hired him as the head of Amazon Studios, and it was really quite a surprise in the indie cinema world. But many in that world were very excited and felt it was a vote of confidence in quality from Amazon. End quote. So yeah, Wait a minute. you're telling me you're trying to tell me that running a studio like an artistic endeavor rather than as a business <laughs> actually yields positive results. I, I think that's the case, and we're going to discuss that more in our review of Logan mm-hmm. today. Or uh, instead of just listening to algorithms and uh, you know. <laughs> 
trying to disrupt the theater viewing system too. Like it's all that was it, yeah. The, uh, that emailer uh, Aaron wrote in response to our comments about how Amazon did very well at the uh, Oscars this year, taking home a few Oscars, and uh, that was very impressive. Speaking of Oscars, another piece of follow up from last week. Uh, so <laughs> the world of uh, entertainment has decided that the accountants were the enemies, uh, and like there was nothing that anyone you know producing the Oscars did wrong. It was all the accountants. Uh, so this week, I think Ben Affleck has something to say about this. Wave after <laughs> wave after wave of negative story about the accountants Brian Cullinan, I think, and Martha Ruiz, uh, just talking about how they completely screwed the pooch on this one. Uh, and there was actually a very damning story by Steve Pond uh, writing for the Rap, where uh, they were describing. The scene, you know, and, and that like they are the only two people that know the actual winners. They're supposed to memorize them all, and uh, they are supposed to alert people if something goes wrong. Like if something goes wrong, these accountants, Brian Cullinan and Martha Ruiz, are supposed to storm onto the stage <laughs> and stop, you know, the uh, the error uh, or correct the yeah. error immediately. So I mean, that's kind of what happened. That's I what guess. happened. No, Just well, well according to this account, they had to be shoved onto stage. Like they froze. Uh. <laughs> you know, like they they, they, they they froze. They would not. They refused to go out here. Uh, um, here, here we go. Here we go. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna read here from the uh, uh, this this very incredible story. Uh, so let's see. Uh, the the stage manager. His name is Gary Natoli. He's an, a veteran Oscar stage manager, and he talks about how um, a grizzled veteran. I, I was like in he's... quote. I was in the wing, stage left with Jimmy Kimmel when they announced La La Land. We watched for about ten more seconds, and during that entire time, Martha Ruiz was no more than five feet away from us. <laughs> when La La Land was announced, she did not try to get my attention. She did not say anything, and she's supposed to have memorized the winners. She did change color, though. <laughs> um, because Natoli was no longer in the wings near Ruiz, he radi- uh, so I'm skipping ahead here. Uh, basically, they started realizing something was going wrong. And uh, when one of the stage... There was a small puddle beneath her. That, that <laughs> one of the began. stage managers recounts that, like, quote, she was standing there with the envelope in her hand, very low-key, and John Esposito said that Brian was very low-key, too. No urgency. But then we had Martha open the envelope, and it said Moonlight. Uh, Natoli said he immediately told the stage manager in the wings, get the accountants out there. But he said both Cullinan and Ruiz hesitated. <laughs> Uh, John was trying to get Brian to go on stage, and he wouldn't go, and Martha wouldn't go. We had to push them on stage, which was just shocking to me. Man. I, so, did he have, like, flashbacks to Nam? You know, like, award, <laughs> ceremonies, award ceremonies during Nam? Just, like, it's insane. It, it was bad, but crazy back then. You can't blame them, Dave. I mean, a billion people were watching. Oh, that was another so. thing. That was another thing. <laughs> people wrote in to correct that the billion people is actually not accurate. It is actually uh, dozens of millions, as I said last week. So, uh, but, but You're welcome so, for, letting, for bringing that up. Some, tens of millions, as a normal human would say. Somewhere, <laughs> some, someone you know, created the, the fiction of a billion people, and that just stuck. But uh, <laughs> I, I just want to focus just one more moment on these accountants, uh, because this article is, is truly terrifying, right? Uh, these people are supposed to correct any mistakes that happen. Can you imagine a scenario where the mistake was not rectified during the telecast, right? Sure. Would have been a nightmare. 
nightmare, you know? Um, and uh, that seems like a real possibility. And, you know, this article talks about how these people just did not have the disposition for it. They didn't have – you need to have a certain disposition to walk out in front of a billion people and yeah, who, correct Who would have thought that people who, who chose the life career of being an accountant <laughs> would not have the disposition to walk out in front of dozens of millions and uh, take the stage? Yeah. Who, who would have thought? Who would have thought? Who would have thought? Well, suffice to say that next week – uh, or next year, I'm sure they will uh, develop incredibly detailed uh, backup solutions for right. uh, what happens when something wrong happens like this. Because it felt like they were completely unprepared, and the people yeah. who were supposed to fix it didn't fix it. That Change means the font, guys. Just, that, but also, you know, it's an award. It's not the end of the world. <laughs> it's true. That being said, uh, yeah, on that note, Jeff, the uh, these accountants have been doxxed. Uh, and uh, they have received death threats, which is not cool. Uh, yeah. So there are some really, really <laughs> upset La La Land fans. Yeah, yeah, it has to be La La Land fans, right? <laughs> Man. I saw uh, Tasha Robinson uh-huh. went on this. Uh, uh, she had a little uh, a Twitter thread this week talking about how she went to a movie theater, and uh, one of the people at the movie theater, uh, like the ticket taker or whatever, uh-huh. said that. Uh, Lawland should have kept it. Like once you, it's kind of like um, if uh, the grocery store makes a pricing mistake, you know, they just let you keep the money. Uh, <laughs> they, this person had the opinion, and apparently, maybe there's others out there that share it. That because they announced Lawland, they should have just let Lawland. Well, keep didn't it. they actually <laughs> said that on stage? Right? They're like, why can't yeah. everybody? Everybody gets to keep Oscars. Like there was, I think that was Kimmel's joke or somebody's joke on stage, <laughs> as yeah. it was happening. Was like, well, you should. Everybody should be able to win. Uh, so yeah yeah Yeah, we should uh, dig up that whole um twitter thread from tasha too because the way the guy phrased it was like that movie that stole the oscars over there um (laughs) it's like complete jerk face like sore (laughs) loser it's like it it almost feels like trying to survive uh you know the day after the election right and you thought the entire world was different now it's like the entire world's different because la la land lost the oscar and just the like sheer anger from some people is coming out kind of amazing and also terrifying here is the well, thread the, from from the, tasha robinson yeah. let me just read this jeff and i want to hear what your response is but um, please, please give a smarmy theater voice uh, theater ticket taker asked which theater moonlight is in quote the movie that stole the oscar is on that side of the aisle <laughs> uh i wouldn't let them put it on this side not if they expect me to work on this side of the aisle end quote uh, I stopped to talk to him. He basically said Moonlight is about poverty and division, and that's not what this country needs now. Sure. He believes mm-hmm. La La Land is about lightness and happiness, and mm-hmm. we all need that to get along in America. He also firmly believes it was wrong to take the Oscar back from La La Land after offering it to them. <laughs> he essentially said that once it was handed to them, the showrunners had to abide by that action in the name of getting along. He the said golden see- rule of no takes these backs. <laughs> Yeah. He'd seen Moonlight and it was fine, but the Oscars had uh, no right to almost reward La La Land and then renege. This is no a very, right. <laughs> this is a very short conversation, but there was so much crazy in it. And for people asking, I'm not going to out him or report him. I asked for his opinion. I was curious. I wanted to hear the details. I am not messing with someone's li- livelihood <laughs> over their movie opinions. I'm just flabbergasted and wanted to share, end quote. Yeah. So, uh, Jeff, what were you going to say? Response I was going to make the no take backs joke, but then I got ruined. Oh, it's okay. It's oh, all right. Oh, Walked it's all okay. over the no take backs. It's all right. It's fine. Anyway, uh, so a lot, uh, lot of fallout from the whole Oscars thing. I would say, yeah, it's. It, Will like America said, Jeff, ever be the same? 
Thank you for the perspective, Jeff. It's just an award, and people should not be making death threats or doxing people over it. Right. Uh, that being said, the uh, accountants, Brian Cullen and Martha Ruiz, are most likely worth dozens of millions of dollars. Uh, just because, <laughs> think? Yeah, because Sad you don't story. get to that position. Uh, like You don't get to be bored member at PwC without having uh, accumulated that much wealth or being in a position to make that much wealth. So uh, they can probably hire private security, but private still, security guys, totally not sell, cool. their, huh. sell their story rights for the accountant too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, it'd be more accurate than the accountant yeah. one. I, yeah. All right. So uh, that's just follow up from last week. Oh, one last piece of follow up. I got so many tweets this week uh, thanking me for recommending Tickled, which is out on HBO right now. Uh, and the Tickle King, which is a supplement. So <laughs> just wanted to say, glad you all checked it out. Uh, Jeff Kanata, I also had a really intense argument with Peter Sreda this week, editor-in-chief at SlashFilm.com, over text. Uh, I think his opinion on the film is very similar to yours. You were not super hot on it. And, yeah, but he, uh, I actually just saw him at uh, Jermaine Lucier's uh, wedding uh, this weekend. And although I, I don't know if I'm supposed to say that or not, whatever. Uh, <laughs> and he did tell me that he he – really shared my opinion but he said that the postscript uh, hbo content has completely t- turned him around he said right. that is the ending that the original film deserved right. so I'm, I'm anxious to watch that he said that he would have been super pissed if he had seen the film without the the tickle king supplement that uh, hbo has on their site i'm very um, very keen to watch that now and and i tend to do so in fact i was planning to watch it before we recorded but my wife is out of town and, and i am uh you, you got to save sole, it for her of course <laughs> sole caregiver of my son and oh, oh, okay. watching a tickled documentary in front of my my infant son didn't seem weird seemed more weird than normal <laughs> also also you're you're sure she wants to watch the tickle king with you like that's one of yes. those things you have that to is... say it's like rogue one you have to or uh you know force awakens you have to save that for yes i would i would hate for my wife to found out to find out that i didn't wait for her to watch it would that. be like a betrayal so yeah yeah at some point i, I want to have like an in-depth discussion with you guys maybe in an after dark sometime uh because i i see this opinion about tickled and, and a lot of people dissatisfied with uh, the ending of that movie, and I just think it's completely nuts uh, mm-hmm. that they are dissatisfied. But um, I, uh, you know, we can't really talk about it without spoiling it, so we'll have to save it for another day. In the meantime, check out Tickled and the Tickle King on HBO. Uh, it will blow your mind. Let's get to what we've been watching this week. Devendra Hardwar, what have you been watching? Oh, I've got to check out Headshot, the new Eco Uwais movie. And uh, this thing is pretty insane. So um, Iko Uwais yeah. is the uh, main character, the protagonist mm-hmm. in the two Raid movies, right? Yeah. So very skilled uh, performer, very skilled martial artist. Uh, and the movie was directed by Timo Johanto, who's a, a Slash Film Cast fan, friend of the show. Um, so Co-directed, was, it looks like, too. He, he has a... His, Chemo uh, Stambwell, I think. At least that's how it's listed on uh, IMDb. Gotcha, yeah. So yeah. I was really looking forward to this. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, at the very least, I was anticipating it would deliver some good action. So uh, does it at least meet that bar, uh, and does it do better mm-hmm. than that, Devendra? Yeah, this movie is basically an adrenaline rush to your heart of just great ass-kicking. Uh, it's sort of like the Born Identity, because the uh, you know it starts off with this guy who doesn't quite know who he is and eventually discovers he has crazy martial arts skills. Um, but it's also a revenge I hope to one day thriller. discover that about myself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
It'll turn out you're the Tickle King, though, Jeff. So oh, damn don't it. Watch out. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's also a straight up revenge film, too, because he is uh, forced to seek out the people who did this to him uh, after they kidnap his girlfriend. So it's it's kind of straightforward in many ways. It's very much, uh, uh, I think, uh, what you'd imagine a revenge film to be. Uh, so it's not as inventive to me as what the Rage films were, but the action in this movie, uh, done by Eco and his team, it's all pretty insane. Like, there's some great set pieces and uh, awesome fights all around. Also, this movie has a villain played by Sonny Pang, who's sort of like the leader of these, uh, of these gangsters, the form of group, uh, Eco's character was with. And this dude is just badass. Like, just, just like, he has a swagger about him that makes him a great villain who could just like have a whole room of people kill themselves while he just, you know, backs away and smokes a cigarette like a cool dude. So I really enjoyed him in this film, too. Uh, great action all around. Uh, the only issues I had is that uh, this movie really goes heavy on the shaky cam and uh, really heavy. Like, guys, the choreography uh, happening in front of us is amazing. Just just let me see it. You don't have to. You don't have to bounce the camera around. Uh, but beyond that, it is all pretty, pretty damn good. And I highly recommend it. Uh, it's on video on demand right now, too. And I think it's worth a blind buy for anybody who likes good action movies. Yeah. Headshot is available. Uh, I'm seeing it on iTunes right now. You can buy it or rent it. So mm-hmm. uh, it's the checking. price of a movie ticket, you know, yeah. so spend 15 bucks. A Co- couple, couple extra dollars in a movie ticket. But yeah. Uh, or if you can see in the theater, you know, you probably want to do that, too. But uh, you know, it's uh, the benefits of having a nice projection screen. You can do this stuff at home. Nice. I am so psyched for that movie. Davinder, what yeah. else have you been watching this week? Also, uh, checked out Copland, James Mangold's film, uh, once again. It's been, I guess, 20 years or close to 20 years. This movie came out in 1997, but it's been a while since I've seen this thing. And it's really good. Uh, just I- I've seen Logan twice at this point, so I was just really in a Mangold state of mind. And I'd really recommend going back and checking this out if you like uh, some of what yeah, you know, if you really like Logan, uh, there are some similar themes here. Probably Sylvester Stallone's best performance and just an insane cast. Who I forgot, like this movie basically stars everybody, right? Like uh, yeah. Stallone, Harvey Keitel, Ray Liotta, Robert De Niro. Uh, it was like Robert the expendables, Patrick. the expendables of hard-boiled cop movies, basically. Uh-huh. It's it's still a really good cop movie. Like I forgot uh, much of the plot and the way it goes down and all. It's like a genuinely good mystery, but also uh th- the way Stallone just portrays this like beaten down hero, like a loser, a complete loser who's just trying to do like one good thing in his life. Uh I think it's so affecting, so emotional and there's some uh you know, there's a great shootout, a couple great shootouts in this movie too. So That was the worth movie watching. It was the movie that was supposed to uh, Travolta Stallone, right? But it I didn't really so. didn't really happen. What what really happened was Stallone just kind of went back to the same wells, and then that's what you know he played Rocky again, he played right, Rambo right. again. Uh, he, Stallone is doing just fine. He's hosting a new Netflix series. He's doing just. No, fine. I'm not worried about uh, it. Well, after this, this was, right? He did. Yeah, he didn't really do. He he was in Ants. Remember Ants? <laughs> yeah. Uh, this was but also to, get Carter and a bunch of things. Yeah, because he he gained a he gained a lot of weight for this role as well, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, this like was the movie that was supposed to turn him into like this uh, like a cool indie actor. actor. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. And he's good. Like he is genuinely good. I, like, uh, yeah, I choked up a little bit during this movie because he is so good at just portraying this guy. So highly recommend it. It's on HBO now as well, so you oh, can nice. stream it pretty easily. Yeah. Nice. Uh, but yeah. Ooh. As I recall, the movie didn't do super well at the box office. Like it made forty-four million dollars, mm-hmm. uh, and I th- I think people were expecting with all that talent it would be a bigger hit. This is like my vague memory from 
Yeah, you yeah, know, a couple decades ago. Your vague so. memory was that it made forty-four million dollars. No, my vague memory was that it's supposed <laughs> to do better than that. You know, uh, uh, Dave has a a savant-like <laughs> recollection of every movie's box office domestic take. I mean, it would be. Uh, I would. Love I don't know to- if memory serves. I made uh, forty-four million dollars domestic. <laughs> uh. Uh, but yeah, I, you know, Jeff, it is interesting to think like if this movie had been a massive hit and Stallone had got an Oscar or something, right? Would would Stallone have had an entirely different career? Mm-hmm. I think that was the idea. I think yeah. that was what he was shooting for. Right. It, it sort of just didn't work out that way. But guys, if that happened, we wouldn't have gotten driven. Uh, Rennie Harlan's driven. You know, and what would we have done without that? <laughs> okay, Divino, that's very starky, but we also wouldn't have gotten Creed, right? So, Probably I not. mean, I don't, I don't, maybe, yeah, I don't know. I don't know about that. <laughs> Definitely would have, would not have gotten Rocky Balboa. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's kind of awesome true. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, anyway, uh, so Headshot. Uh, is on video on demand. Copland is available on HBO. You said right, so yeah, it's on HBO. Or you know, worth worth just buying it yeah. if you see it too. Uh, I, I've been on iTunes a lot, and they they've been dropping a lot of their prices, like mm-hmm. uh, down yeah. to five, eight dollars for a lot of old movies. Almost as if they're preparing for a whole new price tier of higher mm. quality movies. Eh? Mm. Yeah, maybe I shouldn't have spent like a hundred dollars <laughs> on these old movies. But anyway, um, <laughs> so moving on. Uh, what have I been watching this week? Uh, I wanted to give a shout out to Catastrophe Season 2. So good. Uh, this is on Amazon Streaming. It's six episodes. Uh, I am not even going to get, like, I had <laughs> not watched any of this season. Uh-huh. I'm not even going to give away the premise of you Season can't. 2 because, uh, Season 1 ends on a cliffhanger. And, uh, to even give away the premise of season two would be to spoil it for those who have not seen any of the show yet. So. But also, like, it's not what you think based yeah. on the, based on the cliffhanger. Yeah. It's very, very, uh, surprising to me. So, uh, here's what I will say. I think, uh, I'm, I'm going to say what the premise of season one is, uh, which is that, uh, catastrophe season one is about the, this, uh, Man and this woman who have a one night stand, and then she lives in England, he lives in America. She gets pregnant, and they need to decide like how they're going to try and make things work, or whether they're going to try to build a life together. Uh, and season one's about that. It's kind of exploring this element of modern day relationships in a way that's not super flattering. You know, that's that's that is very messy and complicated, and is full of like distance, and is full of things like having a child when you're over forty years old, and what does that mean health wise, and all those complexities that show captured really well. And season two captures a different aspect of uh, modern day relationships, and that is all I will say about the plot of season two. I really love this show. I thought it was, you know, I laughed harder than I have during the show than most other shows. Uh, I think the strength of the character, the, the two main characters played by Rob Delaney and I think uh, Shannon Horgan, or is it Sharon Horgan? Um, they are awesome. And uh, Sharon, yeah. Sharon, yeah. Sharon Horgan. Sorry also, about that. yeah, creator of the show. Yeah, uh, yeah they co-created, I think they co-wrote every single episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dave, you, you really should watch Divorce. Have you watched yeah, that? No, I, I, I saw Divorce as well. Oh, okay. Because yeah. yeah. she created that too, you know? Yeah, I, 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 do. I, I definitely I, like Catastrophe a lot more. Yeah, I, I do prefer, too, I prefer I Catastrophe think, myself as well, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, no argument. I think Catastrophe mm-hmm. is the superior show, but I, I think there's a lot of joy in Divorce. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> <laughs> Don't say that too loud. Don't, don't tell my wife I said that. <laughs> uh, but I know, I, I mean, I think there's, um, it's a similar sort of dark humor that, you know, I, I really enjoy the, both of the mm-hmm. shows. You know, it's interesting you say that because I think both shows suffer from similar uh, similar weaknesses, mm-hmm. which is 
that the main two characters, uh, like both shows are about couples, and the the primary characters or protagonists, uh, that relationship is captured really, really well. And all the side characters are caricatures. Uh, mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, that is a huge issue for Catastrophe Season 2 because there are supposed to be a lot of moments of poignancy and a lot of nuance to these side characters. Like you're expected to care about the side characters in Season 2. And that is a problem when you spent a lot of time making them caricatures. Uh, and so that's the only issue I really have. The, the, but the strength of the show is this relationship between these two main characters and how even though they both strike me as pretty terrible people, you can totally imagine why they, they've ended up together and uh, why they might you know be able to make things work in the ways that they do. Uh, and it's just really funny. And uh, yeah, love, love the show and would highly recommend it. So Catastrophe Season 2 is available right now on Amazon Streaming. And uh, just wanted to give a quick shout out to a movie I saw. So uh, on uh, one of my other podcasts, Gen Pop at GenPopShow.com, we were uh, considering doing an episode on Feud, the new Ryan Murphy show. Uh, At this moment in time as we're recording this, I have not seen the first episode of Feud yet, (laughs) but I have seen the movie that Feud is about. Um, Feud, of course, is is, uh, uh, about the – the first season of Feud is about the – very famous feud between uh, Betty Davis and Joan Crawford, uh, who play characters in this movie called Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. Uh, this is a 1962 film. Uh, have you guys seen Whatever Happened to Baby Jane or no. know about it? Sure. It's uh, years ago. It's yeah. pretty uh, It's pretty legendary, and uh, this is my first time watching it. And, man, uh, I think the movie is a little bit slow. It emphasizes the side characters a little too much. Like, there's these elaborate subplots all this time spent with all these side characters who play very little into the actual plot itself. But uh, the central performances of these two characters, uh, it is incredible. The movie still holds up. It is incredibly uncomfortable to watch. You know, it's, uh, it's like a horror film. It's these two characters tormenting each other. Well, one of them tormenting the other and growing more and more insane as the movie goes on. Um, it's painful. To, to watch. Uh, it is very uncomfortable and it, it stands right up there with other, you know, modern day, uh, kind of almost torture porn movies. Uh, although it's obviously not the same stylistically. Nonetheless, uh, I would recommend it if you want to check out a very interesting piece of Hollywood history. Uh, and knowing about the feud between the two actresses makes, uh, the movie even more interesting. So the movie's called Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. And it is available uh, on video on demand. I bought it. It was on sale for like $7 on Amazon. So I just picked it up there. But uh, uh, plan to watch Feud. And hopefully we'll talk about it next week on the podcast. Jeff Kanata, what is the bounty that you have been watching? The bounty? Uh, not much. I, I, as, as I mentioned, um, last week was the Game Developers Conference. I was traveling all week. And my wife has been traveling this week. So I'm, it's um, I, not, a lot of, not a lot of time. Plus... Uh, two of the biggest video games ever have come out, and I've been putting a lot of time in those. So I haven't, I haven't watched a lot uh, other than um, this new slate of Sunday night HBO shows, which I'm completely hooked on. Um, but I wanted to go to you guys and the audience and ask uh, for recommendations of the next big show that that my wife and I should uh, should tackle. I mean, we mm. just came off of. Uh, Binging Sneaky Pete, which we really loved. And hopefully you guys and listeners have heard enough about me and what I like and what my wife likes 
to kind of give us a, a good recommendation uh, of something that we maybe haven't seen yet because I feel like there's a million things out there to watch and yet uh, my wife has tasked me because this is what I do for a living uh, with uh, determining our, you know, our, our show. We, we kind of want to have that go-to show, right, at any mm-hmm. given time. And uh, I have not – I've been striking out lately. Um, we had <laughs> I had a, a viewer – a listener of the show, uh, which to whom I'm I'm grateful for making the suggestion, but he he suggested um, rectify, which we tried and it just felt a little 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 doer for for our taste. So it was it's just a little little rough it's really and good, but yeah, I've heard it is very good and I'm sure it is. It just it's just so dry, so dry and so uh, just uh, it didn't it didn't have enough in that first episode. It didn't it didn't hook us. Um, yeah. That's not a first episode show for sure. And but, we've yeah. tried the Americans a couple of times, Ooh, but now oh, that, Jeff. that feels a little too close to reality Jeff. now, Devendra. <laughs> it just feels I mean, really, I know. Okay, so you want an escape from reality. A little uh, bit, I guess. I mean, I, So I, are you guys watching Mozart in the Jungle? No, that's maybe we should try that. You need to do that. You need to. Okay. And I think it, that show also covers such a, it's all about creativity and artists and the joy of creation. I think you will love that. So Awesome. If you That's want an perfect. escape, there's that. The Americans is the best show on TV right now. But come on, Jeff. Come on. But it's, Jeff Canada, how about uh, – have you seen OJ Made in America yet? <laughs> I, know, I know that is not an escape, but that it is an exceptional ser- series. <laughs> we did uh, – you know, we did binge the um, the OJ um, – uh, whatever the OJ yeah, one. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm aware. I'm aware. This is so a I just feel it's a completely different thing. I'm aware of that. I'm aware of that, and I I feel like we would love to watch that. It just feels like a, a, yeah. You know, it's not a relaxing little... viewing. It's like uh, you're you're gonna sit down and do something important viewing. Yeah, and I, I don't have a problem yeah. with that per se. I just feel like okay, we just we just watched the OJ thing this year. Yeah. Let's we take a little time away from OJ oh, from the well, juice. God forbid that this show would bring <laughs> the OJ thing to light in a completely different way than the first. <laughs> oh, I'm sure it's great, and well, I'll get around to yeah. watching that. Sometime. Or well, I mean, you guys binged uh, Making a Murderer, right, Jeff? Yeah, that no, is love a show. That. That's Come a on, show I watch... I had to give up on. So if you can mm. make it through Making a Murderer, like you will love. OJ, yeah. yeah. No, I mean, I'm. We're not. I don't want to give the impression that we're we're gun shy about anything that that is unpleasant. I mean, we loved uh, the night of. We loved. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of shows that are dark that we that we are get into. It just uh, it has to be that right combination for whatever reason. And you know, different things work for different people. But you know, rectify just it, it just didn't it didn't grab us. And um, I feel like. We're not willing to give something, you know, four or five episodes anymore. It's it yeah. with the with the kid. Like we gotta, you gotta, you gotta be gold right out the gate. And I think you know, Sneaky Pete was that recently. And and we, you know, I can go down a list of mm-hmm. millions of amazing shows that we've watched together. But uh, I'm just looking for that next one. I think Mozart might be the perfect uh, it's suggestion. Perfect. Yeah. Are you keeping up with Baskets, by the way? That's oh, I love Baskets. Okay. I, so that's not really my wife's jam. I think it's yeah. a little too esoteric for her, but I adore that show. The only other um, things I would uh, th- that come to mind are not shows I've seen, but that I've heard great things about. Uh, the Expanse, uh, which I think uh-huh. is on Sci-Fi right now. I was and, gonna yeah. I was gonna recommend The Expanse, but it depends and on how much. Yeah. She also, uh, what do you call it? The The Magicians. I think season one is on Netflix right now. Um, both suggestions, both good suggestions. Yeah. So, but Jeff is all right. All right. Uh, then that. <laughs> Divindra just Have you seen that? these shows? No, I, I just said I haven't seen them. So okay. Uh, so so I, I mean, if I, you I, if you don't think it's good, Divindra, there's no way in hell I'm checking it out. We um, dipped to the um, we dipped into that Woody Allen show that he did for uh, Amazon. 
Did yeah. you guys watch any of that? No. I, I heard, watched like one episode. Okay. It was pretty I, rough. I am, you know, I'm the biggest Woody Allen fan yeah. I know. I love Woody. It is unwatchable, guys. Mm. <laughs> it is unwatchable. Yeah, I, it's like the whole other discussion. Woof, woof. Yeah, it's a whole other yeah. discussion. Anyway, but we there was like four or five different things. I tried because I remember Devendra speaking highly of it. Uh, we we watched the first two episodes of um, The Good Place. Mm. Uh-huh. And uh, Charming. But a little, I don't know, a little slight, a little goofy, a little. Uh, that that's one show that really. Um, Does it get better? I can't. Yeah, it gets better. It gets bigger, and like the the conception of the reality. Uh, I I would say keep watching it because it, okay. especially if you like Adam Scott, if you like some of the Parks and Rec, like really happy, uh, just like really friendly vibe, and of everybody like generally loving everybody. Yeah. It's a really good replacement for that. Okay. Uh, Brian Davids in the chat room says, Jeff, uh, please resume This Is Us. I promise it'll fill the parenthood void like you wanted. <sighs> Sterling K. Brown, exclamation point. Yeah. I, we've, we, yeah. We, we watched the three episodes of that. Uh-huh. And it just, I don't like any of those people. Yeah. I don't Watch like that when you want to cry. Watch Mozart when you want to laugh and be happy. Watch okay. The Americans when you want to be terrified. Uh, <laughs> I don't, I'm all. I watch the news when I want to be terrified. Stephen Rivers in the chat room suggests Billions on Showtime. Oh, uh, Hiram Patel suggests Love Six seasons one and two. Uh, oh for, yes. formerly called Scrotal Recall. Yes, on Netflix uh, has now been renamed. Gotta say, smart, it loses a lot with the new name. Uh, no, no, is that so? Very smart. Is that so? <laughs> I watched. Very I talked about discussion. Scrotal Recall on this show. Yeah, yeah I yeah. liked it. Season yeah. two is on Netflix, Jeff. So. Uh huh. Uh, maybe worth checking out. Okay, so Jeff, where can people send their recommendations? Well, easiest way is to do it on Twitter, uh, where I'll promptly forget about it. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, at Jeff Kanata, uh, yeah. which wins in one T. Um, I appreciate, I really do. I have a, a running list of things that, that fans have, uh, you know, suggested, listeners have suggested. And, uh, I, you know, dip into them every now and again. And I, like I said, I really appreciate the rectify. Uh, uh, recommendation. I think it's probably a show that I I would appreciate if I stuck with it. It just yeah, it's just a little much. It's a little heavy right now. It's uh, not like anything else on TV. It's really it's a meditation on like death and meaning and you know yeah. And, and meditation is the right word. It's a yeah. very meditative. It's, it's meditative. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what else could use rectifying, guys. What's that, David? People's meal situations. Because meal mo- situations. The, the modern That's... day person, the modern day couple, the modern day family, man, is it tough to get a good meal on the table. Uh, just because everyone's so busy, food's expensive. And when you can cook, you know, it takes a long time. You don't know what to make. You got to go out shopping. It's a huge pain in the butt. Uh, and going out, you know, costs significantly more uh, if you want to go to a restaurant rather than cooking at home. Plus, who knows what they're putting in there? You know, I'm, I'm on a low-carb diet, and uh, I, I rarely go out anymore because uh, you just don't know what kind of carbs and sugar and stuff people are putting inside their meals. Um, and so you want a service like HelloFresh at HelloFresh.com that is going to help you out uh, with – this big problem that's going to rectify this issue for you by delivering you meals that you can cook at home uh, and that makes cooking fun, easy, and convenient. That's right. Are you an American? Do you want to rectify this situation? Do you want to well, feel like a food magician? Do you want to? <laughs> you want uh, your kitchen to be a good place? Do, yeah. Do you want your? <laughs> do you want to look upon the expanse of your kitchen? Just and, uh, turn on some Mozart. In your little kitchen jungle. Yeah. And cook away. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. 
Good, good plan, guys. Uh, each week, HelloFresh creates new delicious recipes with step-by-step instructions designed to take around 30 minutes for everyone from novices to seasoned home cooks short on time. Now, we all here on the podcast have used HelloFresh. Yeah. And uh, we can attest, yeah, it is super easy. They give it to you in this box. Uh, all the ingredients are there. And the coolest you- thing about that is that each of the meals is individually packaged in its own box. So there's no separating. You know, Some of the mm-hmm. other services like this, you have to like separate all the ingredients out. HelloFresh has it all in its own little ready-to-go box. So you just like plop those little individual boxes in your fridge. When you're ready to cook them, you pull them out. It's all ready to go. You chop them up. And you, and you get cooking and it really is like 30 minutes. It's really a quick and easy thing, but it also is, you know, made out of fresh ingredients. So you are actually having the full experience of being a chef for the evening, but doing it quickly, easily. It's all handled for you. Uh, I, I think this is awesome. Yeah. It's very convenient. Uh, and, uh-huh. Uh, you can learn new recipes. That's one of the best things about it. They give you this kind of recipe card, and you can learn things that you would have never otherwise cooked. Uh, and you have full control over what goes in the meal. So if you want to modify seasonings or whatever to your liking, uh, that's what's great about cooking for yourself uh, and for you your know family. What I, I, I also love the fact that I'm actually leveling up my own skills. Yeah. By, by cooking with, with this, I, I actually get better at chopping stuff. I get better at – all those cool things that I see on the Food Network, I can, I'm can i doing some of them, and I have been able to chart progress in my own skill level at this stuff. Like I started out being a really terrible chopper, and just because I do this every week, I get better at chopping. Yeah, I mean when you first joined the Slash Filmcast, I was like, Jeff Kanata is super smart, very articulate, but terrible chopper. Terrible yeah. chopper. Terrible and chopper. You, I almost didn't get the gig because you guys were like <laughs> – How's your slicing and dicing? Yeah. And I was like, not good. It not was good, it guys, was pretty touch and go there for a while. <laughs> but uh, Dave, I, I have a question for you. How many dietitians do they have? They have I demand at least two. They have two full time registered dietitians on staff oh, okay. who review each recipe to ensure okay. it's nutritionally balanced. Uh, and they deliver the food to your doorstep in a special insulated box for free. Uh, we have a special offer for slash from Kess listeners. For thirty to five dollars off your first week of deliveries, visit Whoa. HelloFresh.com and enter promo code FilmCast thirty five. Uh, so thirty five dollars off. That's a, that's f- awesome. It's that it's like three movie tickets. Yeah, uh, you can get three movie tickets off your first week of deliveries by going to HelloFresh.com and entering promo code FilmCast thirty five. That's the word FilmCast and the numerals thirty five. So FilmCast thirty five. And we really appreciate HelloFresh for sponsoring us this week and. Hope you will use their service to get food delivered to your door and level up your cooking skills. That's going to bring <laughs> us to this week's segment of the Slash Film Court. Slash Film Court. Slash Film The Slash Film Court is our quasi-weekly segment where we adjudicate your movie-related dilemmas. You can always email those into slashfilmcast at gmail.com, our email address. This email comes in from Bradley. Bradley writes in uh, – this is a two-part email. Okay, This is a good one. Too. This is a very good one. Quote, my darling and I were invited to a get-together with friends and a film. I like that. My darling and I. That's to my fun. horror, as the Blu-ray loaded, the format of the film was four by three. Aspect ratio on a gorgeous widescreen TV. I whispered to my wife, I should say something. The format's all wrong. And she whispers back, you're the only one that cares. Don't make a scene. 
Long story short, I did say something, and I did make a scene. Should one <laughs> yes. at a gathering always respect the presentation of a picture, be it glorious or god-awful? Or should one always speak up when the vision of the creator is marred by the ignorant host? Or does this fall under the time-tested advice, always listen to your better half? Okay, so, so then that was the first part of Bradley's email. <laughs> and I knew we had to talk about this on the podcast. So I emailed Bradley back, and I said, hey, what, what do you mean you made a scene? Like, what, is, what does that mean, Bradley? And firstly, please, when you're writing into slash from custodygmail.com, let us know where you're from. Bradley wrote in uh, and explained, uh, quote, I said to the host, hey, your format is off. I can help you fix that. So he says, what do you mean? I say something like, the picture's wrong. You need to adjust the aspect ratio so it's a home theater experience. The rabble of the group comes in and says, that'll take so long. Just start the movie. <laughs> does it even matter? So I explain, we are losing picture and quality here. The film isn't intended to be viewed incorrectly. Don't you guys remember how awful Pan and Scan on VHS was as kids? It was terrible dark times. So my wife's best friend from childhood chimes in and says, I don't like it when there's bars in the top and the bottom. Oh, my God. Here's where the scene really starts. I don't shout, but I do express myself with a maximum condescending tone. <laughs> I rant, you don't like the Cut bars? Cut to his wife. He was shouting. <laughs> <laughs> I rant, you don't like the bars? The picture is perfect to the bars. You're getting more picture. The intended picture. Do you like movies? If you actually hate movies, it's fine to watch it all wrong. Is this why Roger Deakins can't get an Oscar? Because nobody cares what the picture looks like? Does everybody here have a favorite movie? <laughs> if you do... Uh, watch movies with a butchered format like this, then you don't have a favorite because you clearly hate movies. I'm mad as hell. I'm not going to take it anymore. <laughs> so, yeah, it goes on like that until my wife says, you're being a jerk. <laughs> I apologize, of course, and we proceed to watch the movie in 4 by 3 aspect ratio. The horror. <laughs> the horror. I wish I knew what movie this was. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wish you'd asked. And the movie was, uh, yeah, Lawrence was, of Arabia. It was <laughs> It was it was James Mangold's Kate and Leopold. <laughs> All right, so Bradley goes over to a friend's uh -huh. house, and it is it's it's a nightmare scenario. I'm getting a panic yes. attack just thinking about it. Uh, <laughs> the movie is displaying on the television with you know it doesn't even need to be wrong aspect ratio. Let's right, say it's like right. motion smoothing or something smoothing, something horrible slightly like stretched. That. People do that all the time. Yeah. Jeff yeah, Kanata, what do you do? What do you do? I, <laughs> I think I think he is uh, a, a knight. Uh, he's he's a white knight, uh, you know, riding into to the, the demon's den. Uh, and he is he is trying to save the people. They don't even know they're in danger. Yeah, they they, they don't even know the demon is looming over them. They're they're <laughs> they're uh, you know unaware of the of the what they're doing to themselves. Yes. <sighs> and and you know I don't know if his methodology is was as as perfect as it could be, but you can't fault the guy. He he made a solid effort. His heart was in yeah. the right place. Uh, and and you know his version of the story, I I, I doubt is the uh, absolute <laughs> truth. You know, I I, I, I would I, love a dramatic reenactment <laughs> of this. Yeah. I would love his wife's view of this because it, it probably is slightly different. Uh, you know, his recollection is I calmly and justifiably. You know, and she's like, no, I mean, he he starts yelling by the end. You know, yeah, he's, he he's yelling. It. He's yelling. Yeah. You don't like bars? The picture is perfect. He's that's apparent according to the email. That's all stuff he actually said. Yeah. yeah. So well, I I mean, the, I understand in you know 1987 not liking bars because your television was four by three and the bars were like 40% of your TV real estate. Uh -huh. But today televisions are 
16 by 9. You have fewer bars! That's the, all he the, had to say. If you have bars at all, they are minuscule in yes. comparison to the television. Uh, I mean, the, you should – if you're watching it in a 4 by 3 on a widescreen television, you have bars. They're yes. on the side. Yeah, I'm curious if it's 4 by 3 or if, if it's stretched, right? If it's 4 by 3 right. stretched or something like that. Oh, right? The stretched would be even worse, my yep. God. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I agree. So, so Jeff, was Bradley in the right here? And if not, what should he have done? Bradley is to be applauded. He was definitely in the right. <laughs> no man should take that standing down. I don't care if you're in someone standing else's down. home. <laughs> stand, you know, sitting down. Excuse me. Uh, or stand, you should not stand down. You should not stand Sit. down. That's right. Right. Yeah. Mixing my metaphors. Uh, he, you know, I don't care if you're in someone else's home. You can respectfully, you know, if, if I was in someone else's home and some atrocity was, was if they brought in a, uh, a, a, a child to sacrifice, I would, I would say something. <laughs> this is the exact same moral equivalent to that. Okay, Jeff, so you really think like make, going over to this person's house and making a scene was the right move? Like, here, I, here's the best way to do it. Yeah. Methodology yeah, yeah. maybe is, is objectionable. Okay, because, so what is the correct methodology then? I mean, I think he starts in the right place, right? Uh, but I, I, and I think that the, the thing he did, at least he says he did, that was the best way to do it is, hey, I can fix this real quick. Yeah. You know, let I agree. The remote. So far, I, you're doing yeah. fine, right? Right. Yeah. I can fix this real quick. And then the problem is when it becomes a group discussion. Yes. <laughs> and I don't know how you avoid that yep. other than, you know, I'm having a private conversation with the owner of the house. But I think the, the issue here is also that it seems like the, owner's per, the owner prefers it the incredibly jacked up way that he's watching right. it. But then right? he is only just justifying his laziness or but, – but, but, but it's the owner's TV. It's his house and yeah. – or you know, his house with his wife or whoever he lives with. And, uh, and it seems like no one else in the group cares. What you say right. is give me, give, me, give me 30 seconds. And if we all don't like it the the way I will show it to you, yep. then we can switch back. But it'll just take yeah. me 30 seconds, and it, I promise you guys will like it better. Yeah, and I, I think, Jeff, that is actually perfect. You you very gently say, hey, uh, something is, appears to be wrong with the picture. Let me fix it. And then if everyone objects, say, just let's just give it a shot. And if you don't like it, we'll change it back. And yep. then do it. And, and I then, will also leave. <laughs> and then at that point, if they say no, stand down. Stand down. Or, or sit up or whatever I said. <laughs> just stand in front of the screen. Yeah, so you, you have to, you, <laughs> stand in front of the screen. That's right. Prevent yeah. them from watching it. Devinder Hardwar, what say you? Yeah, I uh, you know I do love the intention here and the the love of cinema. But uh, how are, how do we vote? By the way, I, I forget. Do I do I vote against this? I, I have to say. The well, I think what we, Jeff here, and I have voted against Bradley's actions. We're saying yeah. you should not have done it that way. So that's uh, we, ultimately a vote of being against. Yes, be. yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So I, I, I have to say the same. I'm a fan thing. of Bradley. I'm a fan of Bradley. We're a fan of Bradley, fan but of he should have he should yeah. not have behaved in exactly that way. So yeah. you learn from this, right? So I've had to do this many, many times as well, especially after uh you know, once DVDs started going and once people started getting widescreen TVs, nobody didn't know what to yeah, nobody knew what to do. Right. They did, unless you knew about movies and knew about like uh you know, different aspect ratios and what anamorphic widescreen is and things like that like yeah a lot of people are just like stretching their picture and doing all sorts of weird stuff so the key is just saying like hey it's uh this looks a little stretched or uh it's not really you know filling the entire screen and this is how you work around the people who say they don't like the bars at the top and the bottom because inevitably they will get bars on the sides too if they're like four by three or something um 
you just got to be gentle about it. Uh, I've never encountered a host who's like, no, you cannot, you cannot touch my settings. Uh, and in <laughs> yeah, that case, uh, m- most people you know, who watch in four by three are usually humble enough to know that they need help. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I've had to do this for techie friends too. Like, you know, I know people who love computers and stuff like that, but they maybe not know everything they need to about their TV settings. So you just gotta gotta be gentle. Uh, the motion smoothing is. A tough thing because that's more of a personal preference for some people. But when it comes to aspect ratio, like, yeah, you get a, I, I respect our, this guy for trying to do something good. That's the much more common one, I think, is the yeah. 120 hertz mode because yep. people don't even know it's on. Yeah. And then, uh, I've, I've had to do that with my parents. It's like, oh my God, dad, are you been watching everything like this? And he's like, what are you talking about? I was like, just give me the remote for a second, please. Can I just show you what the difference is? And I do the other thing is like, I don't know. I kind of like the other one better. And I was like, why? It's so smooth. And I was like, dad, it didn't, it didn't look like video. T- I mean, I'm making my dad sound like a loon, but he's a really smart, cool guy. What, what are you talking about? That's uh, Jeff, your dad sounds exactly like 90% of the American yeah. population. It, objectively, I think a lot of people, it looks better yeah. because it's smoother, it's smoother even yeah. though it looks off or wrong. Yeah. I was like, Dad, you don't think that looks like video? He's like, what do you – but my dad – I like whole, video. Yeah, I like video. I've been taking video my whole life. <laughs> So uh, it sounds like we all agree that he should have said something, but he should have done it gentler. Is that right? Is that the ruling of the Slash Film Court? Devendra, you agree? I agree. Yeah. Jeff Kanata, we agree? Yeah. I mean, I, I really respect his, uh, his stance. You know, I, I respect the, uh, the, the, the ability to, to not let this go. But, uh, you know, I, I think if you interviewed his wife, it, it, it would be a very different <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it sounds incredibly unpleasant and uncomfortable. By the way, I like what uh, Mike Mad Chill in the chat room said. He said, this would be my sunken place. Uh, <laughs> that is a reference yeah, because to, in the uh, sunken place, everything's in 4x3. You saw that movie. Uh, yeah, that's a reference. That was widescreen, just really, really far away. Yeah, uh, true true enough. That is a reference to Get Out, for yeah. those who don't know. But um, Sunken place is, but if you're stuck watching a movie in a really, really bad format, and you you just can't fix it. That is a true sunken place. Right? You're, you're just <laughs> yeah. there, yes. helpless, watching a screen is like, a, God, I I can fix this. I, I mean, I, I, I can control this. Uh, okay, I actually haven't really weighed in that much on this. I'll just say this before we move on to our review: is that, uh, firstly, if I was in that situation, Devendra, I, I would simply refuse to watch. I, I would just, you know, go out, <laughs> I'll go outside. I would be that guy. Uh, yeah, I would just, you know, play with my phone, catch up on articles, you know, like. <laughs> Would your oh you would you would stay there you just would not watch well if I was there with a significant other I, I'm not gonna oh, you're not gonna watch you are leaving I'm I don't leaving is a dick move like you can't do that it's not like ultimately it's a couple hours of your life or something but yeah 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 I, I would just refuse to I, I would not want my experience of any film to be profaned in that way and then we're gonna get a slash film court listing from the person whose party you left <laughs> it would be pointedly what looking at his phone throughout the, <laughs> making sure everyone knew that he no was i would i would do it very non-distractingly i would go to another room i would just kind of like ghost <laughs> i would like ghost the room i'd be in the back and then right. uh and then like 30 minutes later people would be like hey where'd david go and that's how i would do it as long as, long as you're like okay well I, I can't stand for this and walk out very loudly <laughs> Also, I'm curious. Uh, here is here is where you know, guys. You might sense this is a theme in slash from court entries, uh, but I'm going to quote from the first sentence of the slash from court. My darling and I were invited to get together with friends and a film. Friends being the uh-huh. operating word there. Uh, what kind of friends do you have that uh, <laughs> either a, either a 
insist on watching things in 4x3, or B... Unknown vessel, this is Wayland yutani Anchor Point Station. Please respond. Troop transport Sulaco, return. New? Kid bit me! Don't touch me! Don't touch her! Bishop. Hicks. Weapons Division intends to develop the alien. Audible Studios present Alien 3 by William Gibson, starring Michael Bean and Lance Henriksen. We'll not put up with your insistence on Most correct aspect ratio. Most people don't care. Most people that's, don't care. Uh, and yeah, if I ever pulled this on my friends, uh, they would understand, oh, well, there is Dave being Dave, and they would allow it. <laughs> so my <laughs> suggestion is get more understanding friends. Uh, uh, sure. <laughs> or leave the room. <laughs> or leave the room. Don't listen to you know. Dave, people. Don't listen to Dave. That, that, I was mostly joking that last bit. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But, uh, but also it, like a... These are these are social situations where maybe not everyone is at the same level of cinephile as you are, and you kind of have to just you know, yeah. deal deal with certain things. Agreed. Be gentle. Don't be condescending. Uh, and of course, defer to the person who actually owns the television. So, mm-hmm. all right, guys, let's get to our review of Logan. Oh wait, no. Before we do that, all right, guys, uh, hold on. All right, guys, before we get to our review of Logan, we got to thank all the people who donated to the Slash Filmcast this week. Thanks to Nick Adams Cohen, courtesy of BD Zhang, Ron Small from Walnut Creek, California, Christian. Hey, that's near where I grew up. Oh, nice. Christina Tobin, Lisa Cook from Columbus, Ohio, Jonathan Stahl, who gave us what I think is the largest donation ever in Slash Filmcast history. Wow. Um, Drew P. Wiener. Brett Hosking from South ah, Australia. He made you say Droopy Wiener. <laughs> yeah. Jenny Talia. Okay. Will Bona from Cockington, United Kingdom. I could not tell if that was a joke one or not. That's definitely a joke one. <laughs> Will Bona from, Will Cocking- Bona from Cockington, United Kingdom. Meanwhile, uh, Will Bona. Cut to Will Bona crying. <laughs> <laughs> His whole life. Uh, I did look up Cockington. Why did I, I Why did I live in Cockington? <laughs> I did look up Cockington. Apparently, is a real place in the United Kingdom. So, uh-huh. uh, oh, Hugh, f- make fun of a real person. It's like a, it's like a village in uh, you know. I don't know. It's Will Bona. Let us know. But otherwise, that is show a, us your ID, Will Bona. Prove yeah, it. Yeah, Will Bona. Show us ID that you're Will Bona from Cockington, United <laughs> Kingdom. Droopy Wiener. You, you too. <laughs> no, I think that's uh. <laughs> that's, that's a big one. Hugh Fotheringham from Australia, Emma Stone from La La Land, uh, Rhett from name. from North Bethesda, Maryland, Garrett from Cohasset, Massachusetts, Alex Z from Ontario, Canada, Michael Schilling, Mad Joint Productions, Eric Herman, Yuck Kwan Lee, and uh, yeah, that's all who donated to our show. Uh, awesome. Thanks also. This, to, this is getting so much more fun that people are being creative with the names. Yes. Uh, thanks also to Daniel Head, Joshua Reem, Michael Robertson, Rhett Miller, Christopher Harris, Elizabeth Freeheit, Ryan Unruh, Derek Pemberton, David Heisch, Simon Jones, Prasa, you, I'm not going to try to pronounce the last name, <laughs> Vaishal Shankar. Uh, you got to give that a shot, dude. No, I'm not. Okay, yep. fine. Prasa, Yurithirakodiswaran. That was pretty good. Um, Vaishal <laughs> Shankar, Graham Lakey, Brian Bernal, and Austin Belzer. Thanks so much. To everyone for donating this week uh, by going to SlashFilm.com, using the SlashFilmCast tab, and using the PayPal links on the side of the page. All the money you donate goes to help us uh, defray the cost of seeing movies, putting on the show, getting childcare, whenever that happens. There is a glorious scene in one of the things I talked about today 
where someone um, <laughs> spoils a movie for someone else on purpose while they're in line for the movie. And uh, it was amazing. And he, he spoils the movie and he says, that's 30 bucks down the drain plus childcare. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. That's that awesome. Uh, it's very expensive to watch movies now. Um, but anyway, thank you so much for donating. Again, slashfilm.com. Click on the slashfilmcast tab. Use the PayPal links on the side of the page to support us. Let's get to our review of Logan. We got ourselves an X-Men fan. Maybe a quarter of it happened. And not like this. In the real world, people die. Logan. I don't want to talk about it. Logan. Just stop. Be careful. I need the girl. What girl? Go get her. That was from the trailer of Logan, the new film by director James Mangold. And presumably, according to uh, Hugh Jackman, his last time putting on the claws and playing the character of Wolverine on the big screen. I'm going to read the plot summary from IMDb. In the near future, a weary Logan cares for an ailing Professor X in a hideout on the Mexican border. But Logan's attempts to hide from the world and his legacy are upended when a young mutant arrives being pursued by dark forces. This movie stars Hugh Jackman, Patrick Stewart, and Daphne Keene, as well as Boyd Holbrook, Stephen Merchant, Elizabeth Rodriguez, Richard E. Grant, and Eric LaSalle. Uh, Jeff Kanata, you're a Marvel zombie from way back. The X-Men are Marvel characters, but we should point out this is not a Marvel Studios production. Uh, this is Fox, who's licensing the characters uh, from the X-Men. Fox, man, they've been putting in some interesting uh, superhero films out. You know, they had... Uh, Deadpool, which was wildly successful last year, uh, and X-Men Apocalypse was not quite as good. But then you have Logan, which is rated R, also like Deadpool, and unlike any other X-Men film in terms of the look and feel of it. Uh, so, Jeff Kanata, what did you think of Hugh Jackman's last outing in this iconic role? Uh, I'll be honest, Dave. I've been dreading this review uh, all week. I've been dreading it too, Jeff. <laughs> um, yeah, I've been dreading it too. Yeah. My claws are out, Dave. <laughs> um, I've gotten so many tweets and emails from people who are like, oh, I'm so excited for you guys to talk about Logan. I can't wait. Jeff, oh, my God, I can't wait for you to lavish praise on Logan. I liked Logan. I did not love it. Um, and I probably will have to get into spoilers to talk about specific things. But uh, I will say the stuff that I liked about it, which is uh, I love how we are in this era now where superhero films – can be something else. Um, they, we've, and very similarly to how comic books themselves made a transition, uh, sort of in the era of the Dark Knight Returns and Watchmen and, you know, in the, the early eighties, uh, comic books sort of woke up and went, Oh, we can, we can tell these much more interesting stories. These, these adult stories, these characters are robust enough to support, uh, new kinds of storytelling, uh, more sophisticated stories and more adult stories. And, uh, you know, they went off the deep end, comic books did, uh, that way, and everything had to be dark and gritty and anti-hero, and, and I, I hope movies don't fall into that trap. But uh, I think it is interesting that, you know, with Logan and, and Deadpool, as you're talking about, or even, you know, on television with Legion, I think is another great example of how superhero is just the starting point rather than the beginning and end point, right? Um, and I think that that's really exciting. I also think this movie proves uh, how ridiculous it is 
to uh, ever have had a movie with a character that has blades coming out of his hands that wasn't rated R. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yep. yep. Uh, because in it, previous it, films, he will open the hand claw, the yeah. hand claws and shove them into a person's chest, and they will bloodlessly fall to the ground. Right? right. Or like one slice. That's yeah. all. In this movie, you realize, hey, uh, those claws would do incredible amounts of damage to the human yeah. body yes. if left unchecked. <laughs> you learn and, what the term berserker barrage really means. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that that uh, I think we finally are getting the the version of Wolverine that is much more authentic to what the spirit of the character is, and and I and he is he is a dark kind of uh, idea, right? He is he is a, a a man beast who will rend things limb from limb, and I think that that is on display for the first time on the big screen with this character, and it's kind of cool to be able to see. Hugh Jackman finally get to go there and it, it'd be a, a really uh, raw version of, of that notion. Um, I, I think the, the central uh, story of this movie, the, the, the young character, I don't know how much is considered a spoiler, but there's a young girl uh, in this movie mm-hmm. who is, first of all, just a splendid performance by this young actress. Um, I, I mean, I don't know how they found her, but she's wonderful and, and does a lot wordlessly through most of the movie um she's fantastic and i I love that the relationship uh between she and logan is is really wonderfully drawn out and 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 played and the relationship between logan and uh charles xavier uh, played by patrick stewart is also uh it's not something that you could just come to in one movie it needs to have had several movies to get to and i think that's kind of cool the movie is very uh, bleak. It's a very bleak idea from start to finish, really. And and I, um, I don't know. I I didn't in, I didn't have, find a lot of joy in it. I also feel like uh, wh- while there are some spectacular action sequences, uh, I think most of them are front loaded, and the movie doesn't save its best for last. And and I think that unfortunately, there's not a ton of as much as it's um, a blast to watch Wolverine finally get to be rated R Wolverine, I feel like uh, he's a bit of a one-trick pony in this in this film, and I wish they had had more uh, creativity with how Logan is expressed, uh, and and especially having a a canvas <laughs> that can be a bloody canvas this time. I think you could have made uh, the the realization of that um, go somewhere. I think seeing him go nuts by the end, we've seen him go nuts in the exact same way a few times. And it's not as for me as uh, impactful as I think it could have been had we found some variety in there. Um, But overall, I think it's a a very good movie. I think it's the best X-Men movie, uh, but that for me is not saying a ton because I I don't think, I think most of the X-Men movies are like, two-thirds or three-fourths of a good movie. I don't think there's ever been an X-Men movie that's had a good ending. Ooh. And and uh, <laughs> this one does have a good ending, and I, and I think that that is to its credit. I, I like what this, the ambition of this movie. I like what, what they're trying to do. It just wasn't a complete home run for me, as I think many, many people it has been a complete home run. And I kind of feel a little guilty about that. Divinia Hardware, take it away. Uh, yeah, Jeff, uh, I totally, like, I, I see what you're saying too. Like, um, yeah, this movie certainly isn't perfect, but I have to say it is perfect for me. Like, this is the <laughs> version of Wolverine and Logan 
I've kind of been dreaming of my entire life seeing on the big screen. And, uh, you know, for me, like you're, you're a Marvel zombie. I'm, I guess more of an X-Men zombie specifically, like most of the other Marvel characters I never really paid much attention to, but I've always loved the X-Men as a franchise. Um, maybe because they were about like, basically marginalized and oppressed people who are trying to survive in a society that doesn't want anything to do with them. I always found that really uh, compelling, even uh, even in that like terror, like the Fox show. It's not a good show, has not aged well, but I really love that growing up and that brought me to the comics and everything. Um, so, yeah, it's. I feel like we have to talk a little about a bit about all the other X-Men movies too going into this. And personally, I've always loved Hugh Jackman as Logan. Uh, I thought he was perfect in the first X-Men, and even though they didn't have the budget to really do much with the character there, he committed so much that I, I just loved everything about that portrayal. And in X2, they figured out how to make it work really well, too, right? That movie up the budget, the action, everything. I think that movie is great. And what's really strange to me now, like talking to a lot of people, I don't know if it's a generational difference or something, um, but that movie is getting not as much respect as as I seem to remember, like, I remember loving it. I remember, like, my geeky friends and everyone, like, really digging it. Have some problems at the end, sure. But uh, overall, that is a solid as hell uh, superhero movie. That opening, the house fight, like, come on. No, um, I agree. Mo- yeah. Most of those movies have great first and second acts, that's for sure. Sure, sure. But, I mean, even the last act, even though it gets a little little more generic, like, they're... There's still a lot going on there and it means something. And uh, what I loved about Brian Singer and how he brought these characters to the screen is that he focused on the characters. The first X-Men, they didn't have enough of a budget to even do giant set pieces. You look at that Statue of Liberty thing. It looks terrible. It's pretty rough. Yeah, yeah, it looks like a cardboard Statue of Liberty. But you have generally a really good cast and specifically centering around Hugh Jackman and Anna Paquin, I think, was very smart. Um, So fast forward to all of this, right? I think after uh, X-Men Apocalypse... I was a little worried. Uh, that movie was not good. That movie was actively bad. And uh, as we discussed um, you know, last year, like I think in many ways that movie even retroactively made some of the franchise worse too. Um, but I did love James Mangold's The Wolverine. Uh, that movie got a lot of the like uh, insanity of the character downright. Um, and Mangold, I've always loved him as a director too. So he seemed like a good fit for the character also had kind of a wonky ending but overall like that movie is a ton of fun especially the director's cut so i was a little just hesitant but also excited i guess going to logan and yeah i love everything about this movie like the portrayal of logan um there's like shades of unforgiven in here jackman is just like a beaten down hero which is something we've seen a lot from uh mangold as well um, but the texture of the story is fascinating too, because it's about, you know, there's a lot of children of men in here. There's a lot of, uh, I could even see like a bit of like a nightmare on Elm street three, the dream warriors, the movie I love. Huh. Like there's so many little bits of things I love, uh, Mad Max, you know, beyond, you know, beyond the Thunderdome. Like there's so much going on in this movie. Um, it is about Wolverine's redemption. Um, and it, it, I can see how you could consider, uh, like, I could see why you might think it's hopeless. Um, because it, it's a pretty dark movie. Like, dark things happen. Um, this movie really guts you in many ways. Um, like, I was tearing up several times. Uh, I saw it twice. And honestly, I was like, I, I was tearing up more the second time because 
I wasn't like as eager to follow the plot. I kind of knew where everything was going, but you could sit back and kind of take in what's happening to these characters. To me, it was all really impactful. Uh, great Patrick Stewart performance here. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets an Oscar nomination next year for that. Um, like the action. Yeah, it's, it's hardcore and limbs get chopped off, but it also means something. And, uh, you know, yeah, some of the best sequences are in the beginning, but I think it builds up to something that means a lot to this character. The young mutant is incredible too. Like there's so much going on here. So many layers. We could talk about some of this stuff in spoilers as well. Cause I, there's so many ways to read this movie. It is on the surface, a great superhero movie, but it's also a great piece of science fiction. It's a great piece of cultural commentary. It's a great character piece. Like, yeah, this movie works on every single level for me. Yeah, I, I agree with Devendra. And uh, I, I think we have just, it's hard to really talk about this movie without moving to spoilers, but I will just say, this is uh, my favorite X-Men film and I think currently my favorite superhero film because of how much it dramatically lowers the stakes. You know, um, uh, James Bangles... Yeah, there's been, not a single blue beam in the sky. That's right. James Bangles has been mm-hmm. giving a lot of interviews uh, and talking about the issues with modern-day superhero films. And, and you know, Jeff, sometimes, you know, we, we tussle on the Slash Filmcast. Sometimes we... Uh, we have very different opinions, and you voice your opinion, I voice my opinion. We argue a little bit, and uh, maybe sometimes I get like mildly irritated or something like that, and or vice versa. Uh, this is not one of those times, uh, Jeff, because I'm just very, very sad that you don't love this movie. <laughs> it's not. It's like I think, I'm not, like a deep I'm not, sadness. I'm not yes. angry. I'm not angry. I'm just disappointed. Is that kind of thing? Oh, uh, you know so much I mean? worse. Yeah. Just get angry at me. Um, Yell at me, David. Yell at me. I've been bad. <laughs> no, the, so, so I, just that's quote. what I'm afraid of and with with a lot of the audience. I think there's mm-hmm. so many people who are like, I can't wait to hear you talk about this movie. And I was like, oh, no, I'm disappointing I, I, so many I'm people. I'm surprised the fatherhood aspects of this movie didn't click as much with you either, Jeff, because yeah. it's so strong. It's, it's hard. Let me, let me quote here from uh, this Vice interview that James Mangle gave. Quote, one pitfall for a lot of comic book films that we tried to avoid has been the reliance of actors in a room arguing in pseudo-disagreement over what's going on as a way of explaining to people what the next action set piece will be. When people complain that there's a lack of character development in these films, you have to ask, well, why are there so many characters in them? It's simple math. You've got 120 minutes. You've got to devote some of that to the action sequences, more than half in a lot of these movies. So you've got 10 characters and 60 minutes left, and they each get six minutes to exist in the entire picture. That's less time than while E. Coyote has in a roadrunning cartoon. It's no surprise that the characters are so thin, end quote. He's, he's really like inveighing against Marvel films, really. Marvel Studios movies here. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I buy everything he's saying. I mean, this movie takes the stakes and makes them small. It t- it's, not a, it's not a city. It's not the world. It's not the universe. It's just one person. Uh, and it's one family. And as a result, ends up being way more impactful than any of these other Marvel Studios films. And I think that's like what is so surprising to me, Jeff, is those Marvel Studios films, I love them, I enjoy them, but they suffer from that exact problem that I just described. Whereas this movie, not only is it relying on this character development that's been building up over decades to mm-hmm. some degree, but uh, but it also makes the stakes really relatable in a way that I found very compelling. And uh and I'm I'm just surprised and somewhat saddened that that did not resonate with you more. Oh no, I I definitely love that aspect of it. I, I think that is um, really commendable, and I and it it makes for a much more interesting film, quite frankly. And and I and I completely agree with you. I mean, agree with you, and I'm in agreement with uh, James Mangold on that on that point. Like the the way that this is about uh, people 
instead of grand concepts or like the data on a USB drive or something, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, it, it is, is great. I, I think it's great. And maybe, you know, we'll have to get in deep into spoilers for me to, um, yeah. really, you know, talk in specifics about the things that didn't click for me. But, um, you know, I, I did like this movie. I, I just have seen such a, a, right, like, right, right. a torrent of, of, praise and people are just like oh my god and like you're saying you, you know for you dave it's your favorite superhero movie ever um it does not approach that for me right. so yeah that, that's i mean I, I, and, and to be fair like uh the the buzz on the movie has been like white hot it has 92 percent on tomatoes and also um outperformed expectations uh, at the box office made 85 million dollars domestic uh which is probably roughly what its budget was you know like it, it is not one of the yeah. most expensive superhero films ever made so like i think it, something about this specific depiction of the character is really resonating with audiences uh and i i think a large part of that is that yet yeah, we've seen this this actor play this role for so many years uh, and so we have this kind of history to depend on, but we'll also, as the opening credits of this movie attest, we're seeing this character in a completely different light. We're seeing him kind of reinvented mm-hmm. in this movie completely. And, uh, and that's also really exciting as well. Uh, I, I think one thing the movie does that I think is very smart is it's, it takes, it borrows what it needs to from the X-Men mythos and it disregards pretty much everything else. Like it Which just is smart. Says, yeah, whatever yeah. the elements I want, like I need this. I'm gonna take this off the shelf. I'm gonna take this right. off the spice rack. Yeah, and we've seen Caliban like six different times, you know, in the movies, and and yeah. it's like no, we're just, just gonna once, make just once at this point. But yeah, yeah, I we saw seen... him in Apocalypse. Yeah, right. Yeah, but I mean, they're just like we'll just use a Caliban for us right. that we want. Yeah, we'll just uh, use yeah. this version of this character that we want, or this version of this background, you know. And uh, and it just is like we're doing our own thing. And by the way, we don't give a crap about setting up new movies. We don't give a uh-huh. crap about building a franchise out of this we're gonna leave it all in the field and it feels to me like they did that successfully so and i know you guys are gonna criticize me for saying this but in a in a in a tiny way that's part of what i didn't like about it um because and i know it's stupid it's not that i want <laughs> continuity it's not that i want uh setting up other movies or anything like that it just inherently felt like an Elseworlds tale to me. It felt like a what if. It felt like, you know, um, and even these comics, the sort of old man Logan comics that this is um, Mm -hmm. inspired by, it's not direct adaptation of, but it's uh, inspired by, even those comics I never found particularly interesting because they always felt like a version. Uh, It always felt like, uh, you know, this, this Elseworlds idea of, Jumping into the future and seeing what this might be like. Uh, right, this right. is a version of how, you know, this character is when he's old. It's like, I, I don't know. I don't know. Well, it does feel like something yeah. is missing. Like, I do think, like, uh, the end of the Wolverine, it clearly sets up, like, oh, we're going to have more adventures of right. Wolverine and his young companion. Uh, cut to what the hell? Like, <laughs> like what like, the heck happened? There? Yeah, dot, dot, dot. Uh, you know, end of the well, franchise. obviously the timeline got reset in Days of Future Past of Indra's. I, I mean, was that, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it did, but also wasn't, I, I forget if the Wolverine was after Days of Future Past or not. Like, I'm, I'm just, no, but up even, this whole even timeline. if it wasn't, it, it yeah. was, um, the Days of Future Past takes, pla- takes place yeah. after, yes, yes, uh, yes, after the Wolverine. But I also and maybe, think, and like, maybe that's, it's not, it, mm-hmm. and I'm not arguing for continuity. Uh, that's not what I'm ar- arguing for. I'm arguing, what, what, what I think I'm saying is, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm just working this out now, really, but what I think I'm saying is that 
our starting place in this universe is so far afield uh, that I was automatically sort of felt like, oh, these aren't the characters I like. Mm-hmm. These aren't my, these aren't the characters that I've grown to love. This isn't the Professor Xavier that I, I don't want to see Professor Xavier dropping F bombs. Like, just, it didn't is. feel right. Yeah, I, 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 dis- mean, I disagree. Yeah. You know, I disagree with that. I think, I think I'm very sympathetic to your point about, oh, oh this feels like a what if in the future. And, mm-hmm. and th- that just is like a taste thing. You know, it sounds like you just, that's not the kind of story that you're interested in or, or, or that you're predisposed right. to love. Yeah. That's fine, you know, like people have their own taste. But I think the idea that this doesn't represent the characters we know and love, all, all it is is the broad strokes, right? Like yeah, all, all yeah. he doesn't refer to specific events that happen in Days of Future Past or the Wolverine. All you have is you have the rough outlines of the relationship they, between these characters. They do kind of refer to some things, by the way. The the samurai sword sure. from the Wolverine yeah, is in the yeah, background. Right. Amnesia right. bullets, uh, you know, are around. New York. They talk about New York. They talk yeah. about yeah, yeah, well. Yeah. They, yeah, yeah we, we can stuff. get more into that, but yeah, uh, yeah. but yeah, it, this movie deals in these broad strokes, and uh, and that's all they give you to go on. And I think that it's really effective the way it does it. You know, mm-hmm. for me, it and was really effective. So, Jeff, like, what I'm, uh, I would really suggest maybe taking another look at this if you ever have a chance, uh, because rewatching this movie, you get you get to take a closer look at like the character dynamics and like how it's working as a story and the deeper levels of this movie. Right. If uh, that's why I like rewatching great movies multiple times, because you always find something new. You may find something a little more that you enjoy uh, the second time, but you know, you also don't have to force yourself to like it just because everyone else does. I, yeah. you know, I do totally. like you're free to. Yeah. Yeah, I did like it. I, and don't, I, and you I don't have to force yourself to love it because yeah, the praise right. is pretty crazy. You know, the internet is going insane. Um, I'm, you know, even in her chat room, uh, Jeff, you said you liked it, and someone was like, "Jeff hated it." Yeah. What? Yeah. No. Yeah. All like, right. Well, like means like. Well, I, well, I want to point out two things about about me. <laughs> First is uh, this kind of I get sh- uh, stuff all the time. People saying, uh, you know, I'm I'm such a Marvel fanboy. Any Marvel thing, if it's a DC thing, I hate. It. If it's a Marvel thing, I love. It. So this kind of flows in the flies in the face of that. And uh, uh, other- I mean, I don't know if I agree with your assessment there. Like, why not? Because <laughs> yeah, this on. is this is not done by Marvel Studios. So, oh, like, I see. So, so like, I'm a Marvel I, Studios. Sh- well, well, uh, Jeff, show. Uh, the thing is, like, those are those movies are all like they they start to feel very very samey after a while. You know, like. Uh, I, I, you know, Captain America: Civil War was one of my favorite movies of that year. But like over time, the movies start to feel very similar to each other. And if that's your kind of movie, then I would expect deviations from that formula to not really work as well for you. So I, I don't know that this I refutes over- the idea that you. That's an oversimplification of of my issues with it. It's not like I want it to be a, a specific formula. I I actually love the, where it diverts from the formula. I like the story it's telling is much more interesting. I just. And I have very specific points to talk about in spoilers yeah. as well, but um, I, I don't I don't want it to be like, oh, well, it didn't it didn't have the exact story beats of a Marvel movie. That's not what I'm saying at all. Um, sure, that's not what I'm saying. Well, let's get into spoilers for uh, Logan starting right now. Now you're looking for the secret. Can I see this coming? No, but you won't find it because, of course, you're not going to see this coming. You're not really looking. I have been puzzling over how it works. You don't really want to work it out. Who's in the box? I have been dying to tell you. I want to tell you my secret. You want to be fooled. Okay, so uh, apologies to everyone in advance, but (laughs) I have to do this. This week, I saw a movie about a former idealist who's forced out of retirement to save a young woman of color who represents the last of her kind while dealing with the loss of a father figure and where hope is represented by a boat. 
Eventually, he finds redemption for a life of regret and learns that, you know, children are the great hope, the next hope. But enough about children for men, guys. Boom! Goes the dynamite. Well, you know, Davindra, that's really funny. Because I also saw a movie this week in which uh-huh. uh, the hero with a metallic skeleton and another person tries to transport a child with special gifts as far away from danger as possible. They stop by at a house of an African-American family in which the father <laughs> dies after committing a heroic act. The film's villain is an advanced, much tougher version of the hero who gets taken down by one bullet. Our hero dies at the end and the child sheds a tear and finally gets to move on. But enough about Terminator 2, guys! Oh, nice. That's so nice. weird, Dave, because I just had an experience where I saw a bearded, reluctant father figure who has to take <laughs> care of a young girl in a post-apocalyptic world. Uh, and when she's in danger, he finds himself doing horrible things that he never thought he would do again, uh, only to have her redeem him at the end, uh, leading to uh, a questionable ending. Uh, but enough about The Last of Us, you guys. Triple boom, guys. Wow. <laughs> Triple the boom. First boom trifecta. Triple boom combo. goes dynamite. Uh, also, I totally stole my boom from Douglas R. in the <laughs> Slack Filmcast at slackfilmcast.com. Um, but, uh, well, yeah, you know, I think what this points out, <laughs> other than being incredibly self indulgent, is that uh, Logan borrows. You know, a lot of plot elements from very beloved movies, right? Sure. And uh, and that's okay. all over the place, yeah. That's okay. That's okay. It's inspired by Westerns, you know. And and let me talk – now that we're in spoilers, we can talk about the things I didn't like about the movie, which is – it is – here are the two to three things I didn't like about Logan is, number one, it is pretty on the nose with the uh, Western elements. Like, sure, you have sure. – People watching Shane. You have the girl reciting Shane at the end. But that's uh, it. Yeah, it's it feels it, like it's just pretty on the nose about Shane, which you know, to be fair, is a pretty good movie. So yeah, yeah. that's fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, but uh, I just think it's funny that like <laughs> Professor Charles Xavier is all like, "That's my favorite movie, is Shane." That, that is the most like fan servicey thing this movie does. Also, like, I saw this picture when I was a child. It is pretty also on the nose, like thematically, in the sense of he's facing another version of himself, a darker uh-huh. version of himself, literally. You know what yep. I mean? Uh, pretty on the nose there. And then uh, the other thing is the villain characters in the movie were not quite to my taste. Oh, like, man. I, I love yeah. Boyd Holbrook, but then you introduce a scientist at the end who, by the way, dies while monologuing. <laughs> uh, Which is great. That's just like, fuck, like, I don't care about what you're saying. I'm dying on stage, but this is ridiculous. But wait, Dave, you love Boyd Holbrook based on what? I, I just love his presence. He has this kind of very mm. threatening, uh, <laughs> you know, he's like he? he, he's like a redneck that would uh, beat you up on the side of the road instead of helping you out with your flat tire. You know, I like mean, him, him, yeah. like he was the he was the weakest part of Narcos for me. So I was kind of bummed to see. Oh, him. Oh man, here. I really I really like him. Yeah, so I, I think it's just yeah. I think I'm the I, only I wish, one. Apparently. I wish he had more presence. Like I wish he was like that tough cowboy. He feels like uh you know like a kid who grew up reading X Men comics because he also mentioned he's a fan too. Who's pretending to be awesome, but he doesn't even have the charisma of like playing the guy who's not quite good enough he's just yeah he's just so generic that's another thing actually that we should mention speaking of x-men comics in the movie there are x-men comics in the movie right uh uh-huh. the, the x-men comics exist in the universe of x-men. i thought that was such an interesting decision it's great uh, you know it was an interesting decision but it felt to me uh like 
the movie was condescending almost to its origins. You know, like uh, Logan says something along the lines of, oh, you know, it never all that stuff never happened, or at least it didn't happen like that. Real life is a lot more, you know, bloody and sad. And it's kind of a reference to the idea that these new movies, right? Uh, right. These new comic book movies are grittier and darker and more grounded in reality and... Uh, and you know, unlike know the comics, you, unlike the comics you grew up with, I mean, that's that yeah. feels like the message to me, and that feels like the message of a lot of superhero films these days, especially Christopher Nolan stuff. So, uh, but Jeff, but, you, you're probably the d- most diehard comic book fan. Like, what what, did, what was the overall effect of that on you? Did you think to yourself, oh, um, wow, it's doing honor to the these X Men comics, or do you feel like, oh, it kind of is condescending to them? I thought that it uh, it further placed the movie in this this realm of being this sort of elseworlds tale uh but i really thought that was an interesting interesting idea to say the the comic books and the world are not separate right there's and i mean you're seeing like real comic book pages you know these are real comic book pages well they're it's not kind of, they're not i mean they are real in the sense that they're book. yeah they, yeah. they, they right. invented them for the they drew up these fake sure. comics for the purpose but they made them look in the style of them exactly the yeah. yeah um and that's you know I think that's uh, I thought that, I just thought that was interesting I, I I didn't it didn't you know it wasn't a big point here or there I just thought it was a a, a bold idea that that to mm-hmm. do that but I, it further you know I kind of put this in the world of like okay you know I don't know it, it my biggest problem with this movie honestly um, and maybe it's a small point for you guys but I, I it really really bugged me that we have a, a, a old Logan fight young Logan. It, 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 I just found that to be completely uninteresting and lazy. Even symbolically, because yeah. it's yes, we've seen that before. But what this, I think, for the character represents, it's you know Logan dealing with the you know demons of his past in a way too. But it's also like, man, remember when Hugh Jackman was young as this character too? Like it's a weird like pseudo reference for the fans. Like normally this doesn't work out, right? This didn't work out well in Terminator Salvation. Was it that one? I, one of the Terminators. Genesis. Genesis. Genesis, sure. Yeah. That rarely works out well, but here it's sort of like I was surprised to see a direct young clone, and I was kind of dreading where it would go, but it's, I don't know, it shows us two different aspects of that character, and this entire movie is about Logan, like, dude, like, is dealing with so much shit. Like, just think about the life he's led and all the, like, havoc that's, you know, he he personally has wrought upon people and the death of his friends and everyone. He, he In the Wolverine, he was still dealing with the death of Jean Grey, which happened in X3, and he had to do it. Um, another thing I think that's worth considering, too, is like I th- both this Logan and Professor X know the full extent of the timeline, right? Like, they remember that they had to go back in time for Days of Future Past um, to talk like he, Logan remembers. And then Professor X will remember because he helped him in the past, too. So these are the two only characters that know the full extent of this timeline. So, yeah, when it, when it comes to that, uh, having a younger Logan, I think, worked pretty well for me. Yeah, I actually agree with Jeff on this one. I think it is really on the nose. And uh, I don't even know. Like, the entire movie is about him wrestling with his inner demons. We don't need a physical manifestation of that to get the point. So that's I, I agree with Jeff on that one. But for me, it didn't. Uh, it did not kill the movie. It was a. It yeah. was a flaw in an otherwise great movie. 
And the fights um, looked good too. Like it's it was it was great to see young virile Logan fighting like older beaten down Logan. Like the, yeah, the difference. It, look, it, in it ways. looked amazing. They actually yeah. use like similar technology to what they use to revive uh Grandmoth Tarkin in uh in Rogue One. You know, like mm-hmm. it's they basically had another dude play Hugh Jackman and then they grafted right, on right. young Hugh Jackman's face onto him. I thought right. that was crazy in Rogue One when Grand Moff Tarkin ripped young Grand Moff Tarkin to shreds. <laughs> that was pretty intense. Yeah, we didn't I know agree. he had that in him. And so, also that scene, by the way, where they reveal the clone, because it comes after the Xavier like confession of like everything he did, which, by the way, uh, that's a reworking of a plotline from Old Man Logan, where it was Logan who had killed all his friends. So that was mm-hmm. an interesting twist too. Like that was a nice thing for comic fans. I thought I think, it was such it was such a lovely moment. So great. You realize, then, you realize like even with the, even if he hadn't accidentally killed all the X Men, yeah. <laughs> you know, he's the Oops. guy has been through a lot in his life. You know, he's seen <laughs> friends die. He's seen cities torn up. Uh, and he's been responsible for a lot of it. You know, uh-huh. his, his powers have been used for for ill. Uh, and I just like love that scene of Patrick Stewart reckoning with yeah. um, the, his past. You know, everyone and, and is I'm, reckoning with their past in this movie. Yeah, so. I'm gonna cry every time I see that scene, and I hope like he gets a little Oscar nod as supporting actor because there there's some great work here too. Like just a side of Patrick Stewart we don't get to see often. Like I like the foul mouth Professor X. Like he's dealing with so much. Yeah, uh, Brian you know. David in the chat room brings up the fact that like the the profanity is often a side effect of uh, you know dementia and, and all the mm-hmm. stuff that uh that charles xavier is going through so. yeah i thought patrick stewart's performance was 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 wonderful truly um yeah it's interesting i think that every screenwriter uh, who has to tackle making an x-men movie uh <laughs> the first thing they need to do is like okay how do we sideline charles xavier how do we <laughs> put him out of commission because that is the first thing that has to happen for anything else in a movie to make sense. Right. <laughs> but I mean, uh, that, uh, he uh, he gets used as a plot for you know evil weapons several times in the series, sure. But that's not the first thing that happens in this movie. You know, no. he, he's he's a clear like motivating actor, and he has a lot of agency throughout most of this film. And unlike X three, this death means something, right? They're not uh, hopeful. I mean, they could do the weird thing where they bring him back in another body again. Um, but <laughs> yeah, that, that is probably the biggest people. crime of the X Men uh, timeline. Is Among just, many, is just bringing yeah. Charles back in his old body, like Steal not even it. in a new body. He stole someone's body. He stole basically. someone's body, and apparently, I guess he's either he reshaped it or he's making everyone thinks he looks like himself. You know, like <laughs> one of those two. Uh, but no explanation. They give you uh-huh. zero explanation for why it happened that way. Yeah. Uh, so. So yeah, let's. Mm-hmm. You know, and speaking of like really powerful moments, you know the moment when he's. I mean, again, a little bit on the nose when he's he <laughs> realizes that he has become a father. You know, he he actually loves and cares about someone. Uh, but I still find it tremendously uh, tremendously powerful. And, which scene? Which scene? Uh, the, like the end when he, you know she's holding his hand while he he dies. You know, uh, that was incredibly powerful. Yeah, I mean, yes, I, I understand. And, and it would have been nose. for anyone unless you were a robot, Jeff. No, I'm just joking. A cold, heartless robot <laughs> with no children. Um, <laughs> but, you know, the thing is, like, we, we often bring up things that are on the nose. But, guys, like, something being on the nose I don't think is necessarily bad. And especially for that, like, th- that yeah. whole that whole storyline is on the nose when Professor X is, like, literally saying, she is your child, Logan. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. fucking wise up here. At the end, she is, like crouched next to him crying daddy 
And that is like, that tore me to shreds. And I looked around the theater and there was not a dry eye. You know, yeah, like that, was... that was so powerful. Also, we haven't brought up uh, Daphne Keene very much, but where the, you said this, Jeff, where the heck did they find her? Cause yeah, she has not she been is, in any of their movies. They must have done some massive casting search. She, well, yeah. she was in like a Spanish series, I believe. So like she, she was in something else. Uh, but like she has both the ferocity that Hugh Jackman brought to the character of Logan, uh, but also like the tenderness and the vulnerability, the vulnerability of somebody who clearly knows they don't belong in this world and, you know, has to reckon with the fact that they're a living weapon. Uh, that's a really fascinating balance. And like this entire movie pretty much rests on her. Right. Like so many if she, if she didn't work out like she's mute most of the film, too. Like if her she didn't work out. I, mean, I think she's done. She worked out a little bit. but She wasn't that buff. No, I, I think he was. I think <laughs> Domingo was saying like, if she Jeff didn't is function, making a joke. I'm making a very bad oh, okay. joke, David. <laughs> okay. It's OK. I'm, t- I'm talking about how movies good, Jeff. I, I don't know. But she's <laughs> that first action scene. Like. So well, many, that's like, the problem. So, that first uh, action scene is off the charts awesome, and then it goes into uh, that amazing car chase scene yeah. that is incredible. And I just don't think the movie ever reaches those heights again. But, I mean, I, to me, like I, you know, it's you do kind of have to pace out your action scenes, but that's that's a criticism that doesn't quite strike to what the movie is doing, right? Because you have the whole sequence in the hotel as well, and the entire forest sequence. Like my goodness, I got such great hook vibes from the group of like new mutants. And them kind of banding together around their Refio-esque leader. Like, there, there's so much in this movie that I love. But that whole final sequence is great, seeing the kids kind of try to take care of themselves. But why, are, and, why is she the supreme badass and they aren't? Is it because, just because she's Logan's kid? Like, they weren't they all created to be... Well, she has a healing killing machine. I will say it was, it was a little bit odd to me, yeah, yeah. Jeff, that they didn't just be like, hey, guys, we are all superheroes. Yeah, like, we all have just, superpowers, A, and all, we're all, you know, they're designed to be killing machines. Right. It so seems like they were all experiments, and she's the one with the healing factor, so if she gets hurt. Uh, you know, kind of doesn't matter as much as it does with the other kids. Um, but yeah, yeah. Actor doesn't teach you how to like do sweet ass kick moves. It teaches moves. you to be fearless and shit. So I didn't, but yeah, she inherits some of that stuff from Logan. I, yeah, I, I'm just saying like her, like she really makes this movie for me. Like she is as much a revelation as Hugh Jackman was for Wolverine. Uh, there's a sequence too, like this movie gets the smaller things right. The sequence during that chase where, you know, she jumps, first of all, Wolverine just like spins the car around. She's like, I know what to do. Um, and she jumps in and she instinctively just starts protecting Xavier. And that was a moment where I was like, God damn, I love this movie. Because like that, that's like a little thing that a director who really has to think about these characters and care about what they're doing. Um, that's a little thing that you'd put in there and it's so well done. And also during that sequence, we see her like just like pushing the bullets out of her as well. Just like with with no effort at all, yeah. Uh, you know, Jeff, I kind of agree with you on that last point about the action scene at the end. Um, in the sense that I agree, it it doesn't build up to that. Like, it, like the action scene at the end is not like so mm-hmm. much amazingly better than the first uh, couple action scenes. But uh, they do. You know, he's give, gonna die. They they still give you a few new things. You know, there's that one long continuous shot that's oh, Zack Snyder esque, where he's he takes out like eight guys in one long continuous shot. That was pretty but cool. How and then does you, he take them out? I mean, it just I feel right. like we saw him take out guys like that at the beginning of the movie as well. Like, they, I just wish there had been more. You wanted something to be more inventive, right? but the yeah. the how yeah. of it is less important because like the whole the, the the meaning of that scene is like this is his deathbed. 
Like he he did this thing and I I was on the edge of my seat because I was like, how is he going to survive this? Like, are they really going to kill off this character? Because they have talked so much about this being the last yeah. uh, Hugh Jackman Wolverine, but they easily could have kept the character alive or something. So that whole scene is like just his final stand in a way. Um, yeah, and but I was can... going to say I agree, with, I, was, yeah. I agree with Jeff that the last action scene is not as good, but I agree with Devendra that – it didn't have to be good, you know, or it didn't have to be better. It could have because, been both. Well, there's yeah. other stuff too. The girl, like, just little moments. The girl, like, freaking flipping off of him and taking off another dude's, like, them teaming up and working side yeah. by side as, you know, father daughter killing machines. There's a lot of great stuff in that scene, even if it's not all Wolverine. Uh, well, Jeff, do you feel like you've had a chance to voice your, your issues of the movie at this point, or do you have more to say? I do, but I, and I fear that being the only uh, less than enthusiastic fan of, of this film paints me as uh, actively not liking it. I, right, I did right. like it. Yeah, I, yeah, I yeah. thought the experience yeah. of seeing it was was really powerful and really good. I just the effusiveness that I've seen online and and from you guys in, in as well is I did not feel that way. Yeah, sure. It, it, what's weird is though is. Um... I don't know. Like, Jeff, you, you are free to feel however you want. I'm just basically gushing at this point because this movie is like a childhood dream for me. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. Like, I, I, I truly loved it as well. Okay, so you're yeah. saying you ha- you do feel you've gotten it all out then, Jeff, yeah? I suppose. Okay. Um, <laughs> I have uh, a few other things to uh, bring up, like a few uh, you know, little small things. Uh, Brian Davids in the chat room brings up that there was the original version of the script had the Xavier killing all the X-Men thing in the movie like at mm-hmm. the beginning of the film and they cut that out um i thought that was a pretty interesting choice i think it was the right choice you know can't get yeah, all those yeah. actors baby <laughs> right and also it just is kind of more interesting if you can um we don't know what happened imagine it right imagine yeah. it how horrible it is uh i think the it was it's weird to me that at the end of the wolverine uh, he gets his adamantium taken out, but then in Days yep. of Future Past, it's I think it's back in Days of Future Past, mm-hmm. uh, and then it's back here. That's kind of this. Uh, this new- should have been the Mangle trilogy where we saw kind of that journey yeah. about how he got it back. But yeah, it, new- it does feel like something big is missing before this movie. New timeline, you know, so on uh, and so forth. That mm-hmm. that might explain it. Uh, what else? There's a couple of other things I wanted to mention. Uh, some weird touches, like, uh, so this movie takes place in the future, but the technology, the cars and everything, they all look the same. You know what I mean? Like Children of Men. Yeah, the cell phones, it all looks the same. Uh, it's kind of odd, but there are these massive self-driving trucks that don't get out of the way when you're about to be hit. (laughs) So that is just kind of like, huh, what an interesting... Vision I thought the, the look of the self-driving truck was really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. It's, it it felt very utilitarian. And we're going to see those things for sure, like something like that soon. And then, um, uh, you know, there's a scene when uh, Charles, like, freezes everyone and then Logan slowly kills them all. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought that Charles was just freezing them, like, making them not move with his mind. But then Logan kills them, and they're still in the same place. So apparently, he's telekinesising them into the position. You know, you know well, what I'm saying? You know what I'm yeah. Like, by the way, this references an argument we had on the slash filmcast around X Men First Class, where uh, I think it was you, Dave. You had the uh, the you criticized the freezing motion. Professor Xavier right. freezing people like, in is place he, because is he people freezing were shaking. Them? Is he yeah, it them is not that. Move? It's that power again. Yes, it, but this is like his old man, like not quite making it work right. So it's also like distorting 
like the right. shape of reality a little around it too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah what yeah. a great effect! By the yeah. way, like that whole sequence of him coming up the hotel, like uh, you know, it's not as well uh, choreographed as that beginning scene, but that is a really fascinating action scene. Honestly, like great tension too. Great use of sound design. Well, Dave, uh, if 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 you really want to say he has, he's he's you know creating a mind quake, right? And he's yeah. he is complete uh, <laughs> control over their mind. That can translate to their nervous system, right? So yeah, but it felt though- it felt like Logan like destroyed the nervous system by shoving a knife through it, you know? Like- <laughs> sure, but if, it, you know, I guess, but I, I I don't think that we're supposed to think he has the power of telekinesis. Uh, but it, it's that the, the entire body is rigid until he lets it go hmm. because of, of you know the yeah. brain brain what the brain is doing. I, I thought he did because he he was able to move his whole chair as well. Maybe not in the movies. But in the comic, right? That w- that was a whole thing. Oh yeah, that's right. In the comic, he was supposed to telekinesis chair, right? I don't think he has telekinesis. Uh, Jean Grey is the only one that has both. Hmm. Huh. All right. Let's. Okay. All right. Well. Anyway, I'm sure we'll get a ton of corrections for that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, opening title sequence I thought was amazing. Like he is getting beat up by uh, these people while he's drunk, and then you mm-hmm. see you know Logan come onto the screen, and I loved that moment because it, it felt like. We're going to show you a side of this character you've never seen before. So right uh-huh. off the top. Well, it's also it's like uh, you're in a rated R movie, guys. Yeah, <laughs> we're not we're not fucking around. Yeah. I thought that Get was kind of your kids rad. out of this room right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was it was amazing. Yeah. And then finally, uh, wanted to mention that we actually did not see we we saw this movie at an event screening, mm-hmm. and uh, we did not see the Deadpool two teaser that yeah. happened at the beginning. In the beginning. The beginning, not at yeah. the end. Not so that end. was so I saw that I saw it again here at the Elmo and that is a really weird thing to see ahead of like the Logan opening scene right just a huge tonal shift but yeah better than having something at the end right you don't want to mess up the ending uh, I agree I, I like I agree that it would have been worse to put that as a stinger yeah because right? yeah, yeah, yeah. when you see Logan you kind of leave the mood the movie in a very contemplative mood. You know, mm-hmm. she takes the cross and puts it as an X. Guys, and, you know, yeah. that was awesome. That was that is, I fell apart. Like, that was just, are that you going to br- do this? Brilliant. And that's the final shot of the movie? Oh, brilliant. oh God. What, what's happening to my face right now? Jeff Kanata, any thoughts on the Deadpool 2 teaser? I have not seen it. Oh, well, it's not It's not footage from the movie. No, yeah, I, I'm, not, I'm not avoiding it. Oh, I just okay. haven't seen it. Okay, gotcha. Okay. Uh, so, I feel really weirdly about that, but yeah. Not as relevant to this movie, I guess. I thought it was very amusing, and I am curious what Deadpool 2 is going to be, because uh, the, uh-huh. the director of the original is not on it anymore, so th- it's kind of a bummer. But uh, it's obviously going to have like a much bigger budget than the first one, and so Isn't I am... is uh, one of the John Wick guys is doing the second one? Yeah, so. I think that's right. That's so, a good thing. Yeah, um, I, I think it'll be interesting how they expand that world. Uh-huh. So how about uh, Stephen Merchant in this movie, guys? Yeah, he, he, he was did, great. He did good. He did good. I didn't even know it was him, so it was kind of a revelation that uh, I ended up loving that character, and I slowly began to recognize it was him. Here's another random thing I wanted to point out about the movie. <laughs> um, uh, the woman had this um, <laughs> had this movie, like this video on her phone uh, that explains everything that's going on, <laughs> and it's yeah. just like. So how did she make that? Did she like use iMovie or something like that? It was <laughs> was one of her last yeah, acts on Earth yeah. using iMovie? Yeah, <laughs> she's well, like also try, the app. She's, she's trying to get iMovie to, to to edit this correctly it, before the people it, beat down her door. It's it's the future. In the future, <laughs> it's all AI. It'll just auto. Oh, it yeah. automatically. We also have movie editing apps on our phones right now. You could do it. Yeah, yeah. That's it. what I mean. iMovie on her phone. You know, the, iMovie uh, on her phone. That's I guess all. it was a. I believe it was a Samsung.
Samsung actually. So it must have been that <laughs> it must have been that Adobe uh, app that she used. Yeah. Uh, but also, I, I like how there's no real explanation for how she's able to film the entire time. Like she's getting yeah. some really crazy angles, you know. <laughs> anyway, just picking yeah. random nits now. Uh, uh, I yeah, th- this is a great film, and uh, I like how. It, Fox is the one that's delivering us this kind of superhero film that Marvel can't. They can't do it this way. But also Fox is a lot more desperate now, right? Like X-Men Apocalypse didn't perform as well. And Deadpool, a cheap R-rated movie, performed really well. So so they're they're looking at that. This is another – this is not as cheap as Deadpool, but it's uh, it's, certainly not as expensive as X-Men Apocalypse. And Uh so it's exciting that Fox actually – uh, is taking chances in ways that that Marvel isn't or can't or won't. Yeah, because it's um, Disney. Like at yeah. the end of the day, Marvel is Disney, and they can only go so far. Yeah, and they and they have all these other things to attend to. Like they want to build mm-hmm. this world. You know, they want to build this whole universe. But ultimately, you know, uh, James Mangold gave an interview to Vulture. He says, "The reality to me is that you can't have interesting movies if you tell a filmmaker get in this bed and dream." But don't touch the pillows or move the blankets. <laughs> you will not get cinema. You will get a yep. platform for selling the next movie on that bed, unchanged and unmade. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think certainly that's he's describing Marvel films there, uh, and this is not like that. And mm-hmm. I, I'm very grateful that this movie exists, and I'm grateful that it's doing really well. So yeah. uh, that's going to bring us to the end of our Logan review. Thanks for listening, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, find more episodes of our podcast at slashfilmcast.com. Email us at slashfilmcast at gmail.com. AdamWarrock.com did our theme song. SimonMHarris.com did our uh, uh, slash film court music. And filmmaker Kyle Hellinger made our spoiler bumper. Stay tuned to your OB review next week. In the meantime, Jeff Kanata, hit it. Where can we find more of your work on the internet? Uh, well, you can always follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jeff Kanata. Uh, I would like to remind you I liked the movie. Uh, I, I look forward to your to your feedback. Uh, please be gentle. But I did like the movie. I liked the movie. I've, you know, uh, Jeff, I've totally been there, and I know what it's like. So I have a lot of sympathy for you. Yeah. Even Dave though is still regretting The Dark Knight to this day. Not, I have no regrets. I have no regrets. Um, uh, but I also have a couple of other shows for you to listen to. I have a video game show called DLC, which you can find at DLC, uh, excuse me, at 5x5.tv slash DLC. Really good episode this week um, about Zelda. And uh, I have a show called We Have Concerns, which you can find at wehaveconcerns.com. And by the time this episode is out and, and available, I will have yet another thing for you to listen to. Uh, you can find out all about that on my Twitter feed at Jeff Kanata. Divinger Hardware. You can find me on Twitter at, at Devendra. I write about tech and gadget.com. Uh, check out the podcast there and also be at South by. So check out for that coverage and go look at my Nintendo Switch review. It's a pretty long thing. Find me at DaveChen.net. I'm updating that blog pretty regularly. And also follow me on Facebook at Facebook.com slash DaveChen.net. I'm also on Twitter at Dave Chensky. Next week, we'll be reviewing Kong Skull Island. Kong Skull Island. I've heard this one is a lot of fun. <laughs> Uh, Sounds like you're so, saying Kong Skull Island. Kong Skull. It's actually uh, Kong Skull Island. Kong <laughs> Skull Island. Um, <laughs> Kong colon Skull Island is the new film we'll be reviewing. Kong uh, Skull Island. Yeah, should be a lot of fun. Thanks for listening to the official podcast of SlashFilm.com. We're out.
hope you will use our service to get food delivered to your door and level up your cooking skills. That's going to bring us to this week's ep- uh That's going to bring us That's what you say? Nothing. I was trying to work in the last <laughs> show we talked about. I just said sneaky Pete. <laughs> <laughs> that's going to bring us to uh, they will give you baskets of food. This is Acast recommends. Every week we pick one of our favorite shows and this is one we think you're going to love. Who exploded Vivian Stone? Was it Screen Hunk McSalad? Mother's Digest called me dependably erotic. Leading Lady Joanna Shoebags. Oh, you call me dramatic again, I will die! First time director Wallace Byrne Matravers. I think I'll just keep my clothes on for now. Assistant director Laura Side Salad. If I can help you direct this film, I can certainly help direct your winkle. Technician James Wiggington. You've got a funny way of addressing a man holding a power drill. Or someone else entirely. Listen in to find out who exploded Vivian Stone. Acast is home to the biggest podcasts from the UK and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts.